Hello, hello. Zade here with another episode of Drama Quest. Today we are joined by Ravanta, longtime Faceless member, probably like three and a half, four years of uh, Faceless time under his belt. And he is here to talk to us um, about his history with EverQuest, but primarily the Agnar Time Locked Progression Server, which was a server that uh, Daybreak released and permanently locked to Planes of Power once it reached that timeline, which was uh, about a year into the server life. So uh, with no further ado, Ravanta, welcome. Hello, everybody, and uh, thanks for having me, Zaid. Uh, I feel a little bit of pressure because you've had some really huge names with that request, uh, you know, names that even you know non-TLPers would recognize, such as QLOS, who obviously a realm of insanity has been dominating every quest for you know, over a decade uh, at least i think I, I definitely don't pretend to be in the caliber of notable players as some of those old guests but uh i, I think from my forum posts on the official servers and alakazam and a couple other websites i think uh, i'm somewhat known i was definitely more of a, of a definite troll back in my youth when i'm <laughs> going every quest but uh uh, Agnar was definitely a server that I, when I was playing there, I, I played a ton, had a lot of fun, and uh, I'll talk more about this later, but it was my first TLP ever, and I didn't join Agnar specifically knowing I was going to join Faceless, but when I started playing on Faceless, you know, one of my first missions was to find out what the guild was, and it was, it was obviously that the Faceless was going to be it. Uh, prior to that, I, I never actually even heard of you guys because I'd, I'd always been a live player only. Um, but, uh, you know, on, on the TOP world, especially on Agnar, it was the only guild uh, I thought would be ever worth worth joining. And I was absolutely right. Had a lot of well, fun. Thanks for, the, thanks for those kind words there, Ravanta. I'm glad you have been having a good time with us. Yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool people there. And, you know, obviously we dominated Agnar pretty pretty consistently, putting it mildly. So it was great. Yeah. We, I mean, we had a really good run uh, just as an organization, like going from Lockjaw to Agnar to Cello to Mischief. It, uh, I mean, minus like one or two hiccups, it's been just a string of uh, good times and wins for the, the whole team. Before we jump too much into Agnar, can you tell us a little bit about your time on live? Like, how did you first get introduced to EverQuest? Um, funny story about that, actually. Way back when I was in, gra in grade school, uh, I was one of those kids that had a computer and was logging onto BBSs. Um, there was one called Metropolis Club Met. Uh, they were the guys that uh, made a famous mud called Major Mud. Um, you know, for us younger people, a BBS is something you would dial in with a modem. And they were, it was primarily a BBS that you would log on to like chat with people or get what they called email back then, which were daily updates on things. And one of the things that BBSs would do, they would have what's called door games. Uh, they were designed to get you to, to want to continuously log on to the server every day because you would, the server would charge you credits in order to be logged on. So uh, Major Mud was a game that was literally designed to be played um, mostly by scripting. Uh, you'd have the, the programs they would use um, that would execute commands like to go west, you would just type W then enter, and you'd do like attack, space, monster name, that kind of stuff. You know, MUDs are, have definitely been around forever and a lot of them st are still even going. Um, I, I played Major Mud for on, on several BBSs for a really long time. Um, for some reason, the, the scripting to level up characters 
um, was something I really enjoyed doing. Um, even though a lot of it, you were, you know, you would go to sleep and you'd still be logged in. Um, I played MUDs a lot longer than a lot of people would have. Um, but the, uh, the last MUD I ended up playing on, I'm pretty sure the wife of the sysop, her name was Kadina, um, probably pronounced that, pronouncing that wrong. Um, she was talking about EverQuest and I, Ever, EverQuest said something that I had I'd heard of. I remember going to a BBS party some guy there, um, they were asking him why he no longer played Major Body. And he says, well, I have this brand new computer and it's super nice and I'm not gonna, I, I don't feel like it's fun using this nice computer for this text-based game. So that's why he got into EverQuest. And a few months go by, I, I, I'm in GameStop and I kid you not, uh, I told the story to Greywalk and I don't think he believed me. But my intention of going into GameStop one day was to buy a copy of Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I had played, you know, the prior Final Fantasy and I loved it and it was great. Um, you know, when you walk into a GameStop and you don't find any new copies, you only see used copies yeah. and they're selling at the same price as the brand new copies are. Yeah. And you're like, why would I buy that? Yeah, exactly. And then part of you is like, well, if they're out of brand new copies, does that mean the game is good and they're sold out? Or does that mean the game is bad because everyone is returning it? And then right. the game and the store doesn't want to sell their new copies again. So I was mulling this over. Then the random guy behind the counter was like, um, just talking to me. He's like, you've heard of EverQuest. And they're like, actually I have. He's like, do you have a computer? I'm like, yeah, sure. And you know, he says, you should try this instead. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I never actually got around to playing Final Fantasy VIII until years later. But thanks to that GameStop dude recommending me that instead of Final Fantasy VIII, that's how I got started. Um, I, I played completely the wrong class. I knew nothing about EverQuest really except what I had heard. And you know, like the box art, um, my first my very first character was a mage um, that was a gnome. I, I never got out of um, whatever the, the city name for gnomes is, Akanon, because I, I couldn't see anything and uh, I quit. Came back a week later, played a druid at the recommendation of, of Kadina because she said that you know they could do everything and it was fun. You know, I, I played totally casually. I think I got to level 30 and I ran into this guy named Vladar, uh, who was, I became friends with. He was a dark elf necromancer. He had, you know, uh, DMF. He was always levitating. He looked so cool. He had, you know, some kind of black robe and he looked so, so much more better. Like, you know, I was 21, maybe 22 at the time. And just the idea of looking like he did and whenever we would, play together he was always able to do things that that i i couldn't i was just so jealous and i've primarily put a necromancer ever since um started off in a guild um with mostly doing epics and like a family guild kind of thing uh we were on interruck um probably one of the more successful of the family-based guilds like the, the big rating guilds were legions of darkness and ash and vendetta you know they did all raid stuff and and my guild and a couple others, you know, we mostly just chased epics when those became available. And, and that's pretty much what we did. You know, my, my main exposure to real raiding were those weekend based scheduled raids and playing a sky where everyone is there and doing nothing else in the game. And, you're, you know, I, um, Kakar, and I think it was his name actually mentioned some of the risk about, you know, doing playing a sky. If, if people, um, disconnected and you know, like losing the keys. I definitely remember some of that fear of losing your corpses. Um, 
honestly, I had I, quit EverQuest a number of times. So there are several expansions that I missed, but uh, as the server progressed and as the game progressed, um, joined another guild with some players that were more seriously minded. Uh, I, th I think we first started raiding things for real in Velius. Uh, we uh, eventually uh, formed a guild in uh, Luckland called the Glyft Ring Gang. There's a there's an item somewhere in Sister, I think. It's called the Glyft Ring. Uh, for some reason, we ended up always getting Glyft Rings, so that was our guild name. <laughs> and we, you know, it was it was more it was my definite exposure to being in, in a guild that you know had goals and had leadership and had an organization. And there are a lot of a lot of good people there. There was always some drama, obviously, but uh, that guild we. Uh, kept growing and growing. We, um, when Planes of Power started, we, I, I think that's when we started to actually become like relevant to the other guilds that were on the server. And one of our main goals at the time was to, was to get into elemental planes because at the time only one guild on the server had, it was Silent Resurgence. And they're still around today. They're, they're still doing pretty good, but they're definitely not like a super, you know, high, high-end guild or anything. I think they're like number 10 or number 15 on the charts, but they've been around forever, obviously. We beat uh, Vralisek. That, that is still probably one of my most memorable highlights because it was something that we couldn't do for a while. Uh, we had always struggled with it. It was it was also, at the, t at the time, it was really hard. It felt like an actual accomplishment in the game. So it was really cool. And when we beat Vralisek, we merged into Silent Resurgence. And I stayed with Silent Resurgence. I stayed with Silent Resurgence. Whenever I was on Interruck, I was always with them. But again, I quit EverQuest so many times and always came back. I, um, at one point, uh, much later in the life of EverQuest, I applied to Triton. And that was a mistake. Uh, it, not only was it a bad culture fit, but it seemed like at the time that they didn't really have a need for me. And like I didn't know that you know I would be like getting benched most of the time. And I didn't really like that. And I, I'm pretty sure I said something that, you know, from their perspective that they didn't take too well. So I ended up, I ended up, you know, basically being uninvited to, to raid with them. Took another couple of years off from that, came back and played with an, another guild on Povar still. Um, I forget the name, Echoes in Eternity. Uh, they're more of a casual guild that always, I think they were quite literally a guild that a lot of people would, would play in and then join Triton uh, after they got learn, learning how to raid from being an EIE. Then I wanted to get back into like serious raiding, so I went back to Interruck. Well, it wasn't Interruck at this point. It was Erosi uh, Mar. Rejoined SR for a brief period of time and apped over to over on Zegany with Mach and Shin. And had a, that was a blast. Mach and Shin was, you know, at the, at the time, you know, definitely number two guild in the game server wide. And um, it was a fun surprise because someone that I actually had been gilded with previously on Interruck for Silent Resurgence actually came across um, at the exact same time. And I, I had no idea they were actually coming on board. So that was a really fun surprise. Wasn't there for very long. Um, it was during um, uh, the end of TBL maybe like the, the second half of TBL and uh, through TOV, I ended up um, getting really bored with, with the game at that point. 
Um, and I actually deleted my character um, because I, I just didn't really like how Dark Paw was was doing things. I, I you know, other members and other um, um, conversations you've had, people talked about how request nowadays, the live servers, they don't unlock all the content at the same time. It's a tier unlock. Um, TOV, if I'm not mistaken, was the first time, at least you know, in my experience, that it had been done that way. And I didn't like it. It was also done poorly. Like the, the TOV uh, tier two unlock was supposed to happen on a certain day. And you know, all the guilds were waiting for the second rank of expansions to, uh, not expansions, but raids to unlock. The time came, the um, it, it didn't work, and then we're all wondering, sitting there with her pants down, wondering what was going on. And we come to find out that the the calendar was set in a way where it unlocked, you know, a certain number of days after the expansion unlocked, and they didn't have a way of flipping a switch or anything like that. And Womp. everyone everyone threw a fit, obviously, because you know people schedule time off work you know, to do the expansion launch. And, you know, obviously guilds like Realm of Insanity and Mach and Shin were really upset about it. I was I was really upset about it. Um, the reality is, is that I only had a very small number of PTO days left. And I, I was ex- not able at that point to, you know, always be aware that I, could, I can get those days off. So I was really upset about it. Um, but I, I deleted my character at that stage. Um, and that is, and actually, this was all this was after Agnar, but uh, it, it's that was my most of my time on, on live. Uh, I haven't played live since then. Um, but uh, live live is really great, but I just there's not enough content in a, you know for most guilds nowadays. I don't know how they keep themselves interested without getting new content after after an entire year. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, it's weird. There's there's not, like, a great balance. Like, sometimes TLP feels, like, too rushed. I know the three-month yeah. expansions can feel a little boring that last month. But it's also, like, time to catch your breath. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just doing, like, four to six expansions per year is, is challenging. But one expansion per year also just seems like, you know what I mean? Like, how are you there the last six months? Like, what are you doing? Exactly. I, I think... Mostly because I'm a person that's that's almost always only ever played one character. Uh, a TOP definitely sounds like a, a like a more likely way of having fun in a server for, for a long period of time. But you know nowadays there's there's so much more um, competition for your time. Uh, PC gaming has gotten a lot better than it used to be. Um, you know that, that's that's one reason why I, I kind of recently retired from EverQuest. I'll probably be back at some point. I. I never actually raided an Underfoot, and I've heard Underfoot is one of the expansions that actually has some difficulty to it. Um, you know, I'm sure it's much easier than it was back when it originally unlocked, but one of the main reasons why I'm kind of bored with EverQuest now is just because everything is just way too easy, especially in Mischief because of its loot rules being what they are. It makes a lot of content just that much easier. But, um, but yeah, on... Back to Agnar, um, you know, I kind of skipped over this period of time, but um, one of the times that I quit live, um, I ended up getting an, that email from Daybreak talking about that Agnar had launched. And uh, for some reason, I actually saw the email. I, I was pretty bored at the time. Um, I had taken, I had, I had 
quit my job with no intention of getting another one for, you know, at least six months. So I was just kind of taking a sabbatical from working. And I was at the time I was playing uh, PUBG and I got bored of it. So I was like, hey, let's check out this TLP thing, see how that goes. That could be fun. And Agnar had launched, I think, maybe a week or two when I first started playing. Um, I logged in, made my own character name, that same that I had always used, and pretty quickly saw people in OSC that I recognized. Like There was a mage that I had played with on Interruck that I knew. His name was Flamist. And there were some other people, uh, like Janikin, were on Agnar at the time previously. And I was just talking with them, like asking them, like, you know, what the guild scene was like here. And, and Flamus had mentioned that it's like the guild you want to be in is faceless. And, and it, it, anyone that says anything different is just being, is just being stupid. And, uh, and he wasn't faceless, faceless at the time, but, you know, he obviously was more in tune with what the reality was. So that I, I embarrassed, I, I tried to try to apply as soon as I got close to level range. I had what I, what I think is the, probably the cringiest of, of applications to a TLP writing <laughs> guild. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I, I hope the website is still down because like the faceless at that time had a website yep. and you would, you would apply on the website and they had the typical form post of like, you know, why do you want to be in, Ever, in faceless? What's your EverQuest rating history? And, and I, I wrote like six paragraphs and, you know, what I should have done is read other people's posts, obviously, to, to read the room better. But I wrote this super long, super boring, definitely embarrassing, you know, like, you know, summary on on, on my entire EverQuest history that no one cared about, obviously. They just wanted to know if I knew how to push buttons and, and follow instructions. <laughs> and joined and you know, quickly, mostly because I was playing so much, you know, again, because I wasn't working at the time, um, you know, found myself that I, I really enjoyed the guild um at the time i thought all the players were great i uh, got along great we we had a very similar mindset you know i wanted to be in the guild that was owning the server and we definitely did i'm sure we'll talk about this uh, specifically as as we're aware but as a brief summary um the goal for faceless on agnar uh was strictly open world that no one else would get any content you know no scraps was was definitely the mantra and uh, for my for those expansions on agnar when we were, when that was going on that was definitely true and i had an absolute blast doing all of it e- even all of the the times that i got mad at at the time are, are still nothing but just great memories it was a really good server in that in that regard yeah i mean agnar for some reason i've had like a mental block like i've First, I just haven't been able to bring myself to do this episode. I don't know what it was, but Agnar really was a great server. Um, like you said, you came in about two weeks after, which by mm-hmm. by that time, I think we had cleared everything because we did uh, yeah. Sky like six days or seven days or something. But I I know like before that, we were on Lockjaw. And as soon as Kunark happened in Lockjaw, they announced Finnegal. And I was like, basically the whole guild was like dude we just did six months of classic no one wants to do more classic so we didn't go to finnegal and then a year after finnegal not even actually i think yeah maybe maybe it was um either way in between i had like moved to japan and finney was a year or so into its life cycle when um agnar came out and i remember everyone hitting me up you know what i mean and in like you mentioned the forum thing 
Agnar came out in this kind of weird time in, in internet communications technology, like where we were still using forums. Discord yeah. wasn't really a thing. So we had like, we had like, would we have a, a vent server, I think? Oh, but it was all, TeamSpeak. Was it TeamSpeak? Yeah. And all that shit was right on the cusp though. You know what I mean? Like just a year yeah. later or so we would have Discord and everything would pop off and forums would pretty much die. Um, but I remember, you know, we made the thread, I think actually corrupt maybe made the Agnar thread on FOH and he added me and it was like, Hey, Zade, what are you doing for this server? So we decided we were going to make a faceless guild and all the guys who use FOH forums joined up plus all the people we brought from Lockjaw and people who still played from Fulak and test server faceless guilds. And then a bunch of the TL crew and Asylum of Shadows crew came over for the launch and joined us too. So we had like a massive, massive launch. And I was super, um, for some reason it was just like in my head, super hard that I needed to like kill everything faster than it had ever been killed before. And I didn't care that um, it had mitigation of the mighty now. So like I wanted every classic raid mob to have been killed faster than ever and faceless to be the the team that had the fastest kill. Even though now, we had, even though it was harder than other, other servers. Right. Like we already had the dragon kills, so I didn't care about them. And the dragon kills I knew were were impossible to beat um because we we killed them at 40 hours on lockjaw. But my goal for Agnar, kind of like my personal story for Agnar was to be the top guild, but not just to be the top guild, it was to break like every single expansion record I could. Yep. Um, and I, f I forget really what it was that drove me to do that so hard. I think it really goes all the way back to Vulak and EOE celebrating like their clear speeds and stuff that, that always like made that a fixture in my mind. And it was a good recruiting tactic too. But we, we came into classic with the intention. Like I, I, I talked about it endlessly with the officers. Like this is the fastest Kazakh Thule, Inarook, Finnegal, and Sky kill that have ever happened. And we need to beat all of those, even though MOTM exists now. And a lot of people think um, that when we talk about like the fastest kills ever, we're talking about pre-MOTM, but actually with the exception of Nagfin and Vox, all of our records are post mitigation of the mighty, which makes it a lot harder for anyone who is listening, but doesn't know. Um, after we got the kills on Lockjaw, we, we killed Nagfin and Vox at like level 36 with a bunch of mages. So they added a bunch of buffs to the, the content. Um, Mitigation of the Mighty basically quadrupled the HP of classic raid targets and Kunark raid targets and like doubled their damage. And there's a bunch of other buffs mixed in there too. Um, Mark of the Old really Ways on, on pets, for example. Yeah, and, and Agnar had the really shitty Mark of the Old Ways too, I think. Remember when it was like right now, if mark of the old ways triggers at the 10th pet or the 11th pet. Um, but basically it, it crushes pet DPS if there are too many pets, but original mark of the old ways, which Agnar had triggered at the third pet. So I, uh, it was like, if you had more than three mages on your raid, only three of them, like necromancers, Ravanta, you probably remember this. We probably said necros kill your pets, like every single raid, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, th there were, there were a lot of raids, you know, like, especially like, you know, four in the morning where, there were just no pet classes that that were, right. they were on, but yeah, there there was definitely something I remember mostly in in Plane of Fear, is what I remember it because we, we kept having to kill pets, um, you know, when we actually got to to CT and people had just at that point had forgotten about it, and it, it was it was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and and it was yeah because like you would sabotage your own DPS, like that fourth pet would would blow every other pet's DPS down a yep. huge notch. Um, so it was crazy back then. 
but yeah, we started the server and we we knew the meta very well. We this was the mage meta time. Everyone pushed like multiple pet classes in in their groups, and, and we just blitzed through. Before launch, there was another guild called Zerdula that was like no one had heard of them. Their leader had no history on TLP, and they were talking a lot of shit about how they were going to be like the top guild. And we just kind of were like on the sidelines, quietly laughing about that. And um, their leader, because he had never done TLP, was also like not plugged into the community, so he had no idea who was who or anything. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to set up like the kill tracking website. I'm going to set up these like the Agnar forums website and all this stuff." And I think they started getting kills like two or more weeks into the server. But by then we had already blown everything out. Uh, but Zerdula, their leader like went crazy eventually and got replaced by Bosch and Bosch carried them all the way through the life cycle of Agnar. You know, they, they killed Quorum and I think they ended up being like the third or fourth guild to do it. So they were successful, but definitely not the competitive force that they, they originally imagined themselves to be. But um, anyway, so I was in Japan and I was regaling all my friends, my coworkers in Japan with the stories of EverQuest TLP rating. So these people <laughs> who had like never played before decided that they were going to do static groups. And my wife also decided she was going to do a static group. So we had like Nullify and my wife and a bunch of my friends all in different statics. And one of my friends played a Shadow Knight in my group. Um, now the meta at this time for speed leveling wasn't so refined that you didn't have tank. So like every single group still had a tank, including my group. And I think... My group was like me, Citadel, Shucklighter, my coworker, Chint, myself, and uh, Meme, aka Mezzo. And uh, it was like Necro, Mage, Mage, Enchanter, Shadow Knight, Cleric. And that was because it was before the Zem change. So we kept Necro in the group for Undead Charm. Basically, it became a two Enchanter group, more or less a two Charm pet group as soon as we hit Lower Guck, which we did in like the 20s. Like as soon as the Necro got that charm that would work, we were in lower guck. And uh, we were rushing on that server. I remember running into Kaganin's group, which was like Kaganin and a few other people. They came into lower guck after us. We were in bedroom. They tried to run past us. I think they killed Ghoul Lord and then wiped and then went to sleep. But they were always a lower level than us. They just tried to go deeper but weren't quite where they needed to be. Um, before my group was even level 50 we called a raid to go do Finny and people were like freaking out about it because it was so early and they were like, we're still, you know, working on EXP. And I was like, listen, like, I don't, you know, we, we don't care what level you are. Just like get over here. You know what I mean? And so we, we, we form up for this first Finny and we didn't even know how agents of change really worked back then. They said you had to be level 46 to use agents of change, but that was not correct. So instead of doing the agent of change, Finny, which just plops you in his room, we did open world finny and had to swim all these level 30s through through catch keep sneak them down into finny's little chamber and then we pull finny into like this gap in the rocks and it was super successful but everyone was piled together in one little spot and i learned a valuable lesson that day that finny will cast rains and he cast two rains and just blitzed our whole little baby raid there of 30s and 40s so we form up again and people are real mad at this time because I'm like wasting their EXP time, blah, blah, blah. And we pull them. This time we're spread out. It's an easy kill. We get them. I think we had like a, a 46 Shadow Knight chint. My, my real life friend who had never played EverQuest before was, was the tank for that. And he, he tanked it at 46. We killed him and it was the fastest Finny ever by like a fair margin. 
but I remember people talking a lot of shit because we wiped on Finney. And I was like, I don't know, man, if you want to go as like the, the fastest you could possibly kill something, you are riding that edge of whether or not it's possible, right? So of course, there's a chance to wipe. Yeah, obviously. And not only that, but you know, at that level range, Finney is definitely a lot harder than if you're all 50 and have been farming Sebelus for two weeks. It's it's a very different story. I, I, I've i heard a lot of these stories about class, the classic rush, and I know a lot of TOP recyclers absolutely love it. I, I've, I've never actually done it. Um, on, on Mischief even, I was playing at launch, but I just leveled slow and real life didn't allow for it. I don't, I don't know if I would actually like it because the idea, just the, the low-level game and, you know, maximizing the low-level game, it, it's, it's not fun. It's fun being the first at it from that aspect itself, but just playing like a level 15 character, for example, to its max potential. You have like two abilities, no mana, no health. It's just not fun. It's not it's something that I've never done. That's something that I, if I ever do it in every quest, I will definitely not do it again. But uh, I think a lot of people do um, don't give it credit for what it is. It, there, there's certainly a meta to it, and that has developed over time, like you were kind of mentioning, just like everything else is. You know, but, I think uh, I think you would actually like it because, like, the whole thing with it is you distract yourself in those early levels where every quest kind of sucks by worrying about like the zones and the other groups and before you know it you're like level 30 you know what i mean and you have a kit and you can actually play eq you know well part of the challenge is if you're playing with people that you like like citadel for example would be, would be great to be in a grind group with um citadel's one of my one of the definitely personalities from from uh, agnar that, that I, I still miss and he had a brief stint on on mischief as well uh, he'd be a great dude to be in a static with for you know, a couple of days. That'd be awesome. But you know, if if you're in a static group with a bunch of random people, uh, it's it's a literal dice roll. And if you're gonna have have a fun or not, and if you're not enjoying yourself, there's no way I'm gonna be able to play for you know, more than a couple hours in this game. But uh, yeah, I I've never done that one to fifty rush. Uh, I, I I always think the stories about it are hilarious. But uh, it just never was for me. The um, I, I guess I, I've kind of kind of always been a slow level leveler because you know I, I just get bored and I'll play for you know a few hours and I want to take a break and, and come back. You know, obviously with the one one to fifty rush, you take that break, you're you're behind and you can't go to the next to the next zone. And then by the time you do level, you lose camps and there's people that are able to compete against you. You know when that for when the server first unlocks if you're not willing or able to do that there's you know why even play on day one is is my is my thought right but, uh, yeah being even slightly behind the curve makes your experience so much slower because you miss the critical camps you know they're all bottlenecked and you don't have enough people for picks blah 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 it definitely draws a, a, a certain kind of player group i remember um looking at when I got to the point where I was able to raid on Agnar, it was, you know, obviously a couple of weeks later, uh, when I was able to level up, I, you know, would log on the DKP site and just look at all the, all the players. And there were a lot of people whose names I didn't even recognize because they had, had already, you know, did everything they wanted to do in classic and they just stopped logging in. There was a, a pretty, as you mentioned, the, 
Agnar launch faceless was was pretty big and then a lot of people that I, I think just never really had any intention on playing on Agnar long term um, I think if I had to guess just from memory about half of the roster on the DKP site um, you know were people that were not rating you know a month into the server because their, their time on it was just done some there's a couple of people that did eventually end up coming back but uh, for the most part there were people that I, I never even got to play with. So that was that was a real fun, fun experience. One of the things I, I remember, um, Agnar, there were definitely some times with other guilds that we, you know, competed with them, you know, not like over an entire expansion is always just, just random one off events. But it, it was really mostly about competing with each with each other and comparing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of how quickly after a mob spawned, could we get it dead? That was right. that was definitely definitely a focus. It wasn't it wasn't even so much about how fast you know could we kill the mob after the raid was formed. Is it was okay, you know, Vulak uh, is able to be killed, you know, as of five minutes ago. Why why aren't we in a raid already? Why aren't we already clearing to the zone at that point? It was always a race against ourselves, and as as a result, most of the notable events that I recall. Um, were within the guild themselves. Although there definitely is some, you know, EverQuest um, contests, as it were, and some of those are really fun, actually, as well. But it's just kind of how the server went. Um, the The first time in Classic that I recall um, any any guild actually like doing anything, because we had such a stranglehold on open world content, because we were like one of, if not the only guild that ever bat phoned, was. Um, for some reason, um, I forget whose guild it was. Was it Mabu's guild that um, we raced them on a, on a Draculich? And they they were all actually already in the zone. And Draculich popped. And they were only in the zone because they were doing their AOCs. And we were just, you know, not even logged in. And we bat phoned, even though they were actually already mobilized in Plane of Fear. And not even two minutes later, like half of our raid force just logged in and we had our first major inner guild competition that I can recall. And it was a lot of fun, especially because like an unplanned Draculich um, can go not how you expect sometimes because people get feared and, and whatnot, but it was, it was great. Um, I think that might've been uh, the guild Mabu was in, which was Vice's guild addictions. I, for some reason, yeah. I remember competing with them like two or three times during classic. And, and it was always in plane of fear that they were contesting us. They did some CTs and stuff. Um, but I think we like, we went really hard on, uh, on Draco Lich because we wanted the belts. The belts still yeah. had focus effects on Agnar and Necros yeah. were crazy good DPS. So we wanted to get a belt for every single, basically every single caster in the guild. Yeah, I remember that, like, one of the one of the things I was doing, as I mentioned, I, I wasn't working the time for on Agnar. Um, and, and I was a Necro and I was pretty excited about a BCG because you know you, you wanted that focus and you especially wanted that focus, you know, on, on in your character before Kunark launched. And um, so I ended up just camping Plane of Fear, just you know, watching for Draco and C T to spawn. And just you know, always being the guy that you know to send Alexander Rattel whenever he popped. Uh, I did that for maybe three weeks or a month. I I definitely remember, you know, we'd always track on the DKP site, you know, who had the most DKP to be next in line. And you know, when when it finally got to to be me, 
um, I was pretty excited, obviously. So I, I literally never left Plane of Fear. And <laughs> I remember like two in the morning, uh, bad phoning uh, for, for the second time in a row that, that Draco had popped. And and uh, um, they're like, yeah, we're logging in, uh, seeing a few. I'm like, great. And I, I still remember Alex um, on, on Agnar. Alexander was is a really mellow guy. I liked him a lot. Great raid leader. But I remember his little his speech that uh, I had put in that definitely put in the time on track the spawn. And he was proud that I, that I wanted at the time. And I still remember the conversation and it was, it was a really good memory more so for me, obviously, because, you know, it didn't really matter to the guild it, more so than we were the ones that got Draco and no one else did. But uh, you know, those kinds of competition across even your own guild can definitely still bring a lot of fun. And that, that was de- definitely was one of them. Yeah, we were big. Um, first, I want to say Alex was awesome on Agnar, a really good guy. We had a falling out later, I think, on like Mischief. We had a falling out yeah. because he, he sided with the other team, so to speak. Um, but he's he's a good dude. And Agnar, we were really big on that. Um, like when we would clear Plane of Sky, we'd be like, okay, last week's Plane of Sky was three hours. Can we do it in two hours and 45 yep. minutes? Time? You know what I mean? It was always, always like that. Never, There was never like a... A casual raid and you mentioned like the no scraps thing and i kind of had forgot about that but i actually remember now that like we would do iv shan like every six hours in classic it was insane like remember the meme quick eye snipe yep because we'd be like oh yeah we're gonna go do a quick eye snipe and they're like well i guess we're we're here like look b is up we we should do b you know what i mean like it just never ended um on agnar and it's kind yeah, of- honestly, I, I never really at, at the time I was all about it, obviously, because, you know, I wasn't I was literally doing nothing else, but it, it didn't make sense. It, it seemed like a lot of the guild didn't want to do it. And, you know, obviously they could just not log in. But, you know, it, it the meme definitely was formed because it's like yet another Iovation. Are you serious? And, and it, it really was. It was more so it was not so much that we wanted the, the loot. We wanted to ensure that no one else got it. And and I'm not even sure if it was the loot because you know, obviously most of the loot, especially on Planet Sky, doesn't matter. Um, but we didn't want anyone else to like even be able to say that, that, you know, they, they got theirs. I remember Rezicus being really upset one time. Um, he was watching uh, for Ragefire and Sol B and he ended up falling asleep. So he, he didn't, he couldn't tell when, when Ragefire spawned and uh, I'm pretty sure it was Trustedation that, that got that, that one Ragefire. And I remember us realizing that it's like we had killed every Ragefire except for one. And, you know, to his credit, he was like, yeah, that's my fault. I fell asleep and that's, that's how they got it. Um, but that was just the level of the stranglehold on the server that we had. Uh, yeah. it, it was, it was crazy. I, I can, even though I didn't play, obviously, on the entire history of Agnar, but when I was playing, I, I, there were very few times when someone else got open world content. And all, all the ones that, that we were involved with, when there was a race, they were all, they were, because they were so rare, it was definitely memorable. There's one in Velius, I'm sure I'll talk about later, that was an absolute blast, and it was just hilarious of an event. But it, it, it really was that so many guilds like were mad at us because we were able to mobilize so quickly. I think one thing that allowed us to just go all out the whole time we were on Agnar is knowing that there was an end date. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have to say, yeah, 
we need to like on, on mischief and every other server, you basically have to make a concession to casualness because you have to say like, you know, we have to last seven years. We need to not burn people out. But on Agnar, it was like, dude, we have 15 months. Let's burn this shit to the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, and the other thing was like wanting to be the fastest clear of every expansion meant that we wanted to absolutely just have a disgusting level of loot saturation going into every expansion. You know what I mean? We're like, what if we got one more 41% hay spell out of that eye of Vishan? You know what I mean? Fuck it. Let's go. Yeah, it, it was it was worth the time spending weeks doing something just, just for that, just so your entire roster would have that haste going in. And do you, remember, so, do you remember the bugged Lady Vox? Um, for a whole month, Lady Vox was bugged on Agnar, and whenever she would have a Simtar of the Mistwalker, it would proc for like 40k, like the pet would just delete people. I don't remember. Was it was it for that long? I, I, when you mentioned that, it definitely comes to mind because it was always... Um, I, I think when I remember there was one time when Vox had a Mistwalker and we were surprised that we were actually able to beat it. And like, so was everybody. I don't, what we ended I don't up uh, being for our, a month. our strategy became uh, everyone during the whole Vox fight would only use AEs. Uh, if you had AEs available because the pet only had one HP. So any AE would kill it. Yeah. And we were just banking on killing it before it hit somebody. Um, but a lot of times for our AOC raids, we would intentionally, like we would use boxes, pop a Vox, a, a permafrost DZ and try to see if she had a sword in her hand. And if she did, we would just like, be like, nope, not that one. You know what I mean? Cause we didn't even care about the, the Simtar, the Mistwalker. We were just like trying to have a good raid night and we, we tried to split relatively lean too for more loot. So no one wanted to fuck around with that. But open world, sometimes it's like 3am. She's got a Mistwalker, put your helmet on. Yeah, I, I definitely remember uh, the one time when we when we when she was up in open world that way. Um, it was one of the few times when I had to actually make macros uh, to like not macros, but hotkeys, you know, to like, you know, target her pet. Yeah, like, you know, pet, pet attack, whatever her name of her pet was, because uh, there was just no other way I would be able to, like, even get a cast in fast enough. But um, it, it just. Yeah, I had forgotten all about that, actually. I, um, what's kind of crazy about that is because it's not even a good weapon in Classic. I, I think it was at one point. It, maybe it got nerfed or something. But Yeah, it's been it, nerfed too much. It's not good. It's just a swag item, really. Yeah. And I, I think, actually, it seems like it's even kind of hard to get, even from the casino. I remember um, more so on, on, on Mischief, but I eventually wanted to get all of the casino items so I could reliably get Holger shoulder beats because they're, they're still, you know, viable for, for Necros for uh, casting chaotic power on. And it, it took me like a really long time to actually get the scimitar from the casino because uh, I always, I had every other item except for a scimitar and I would just bank a set of Holger shoulder beads and like seven or eight times in a row, I kept getting Holger shoulder beads instead of the scimitar. I, I eventually got one. But for a long period of time, I thought that it, they just made it where it just didn't drop anymore or even didn't drop from the casino. It's such a weird item with yeah. all those things that they've done to it. Yeah, it, it definitely is like it's in this weird state. I mean, they may as well just put it on our loot table, right? Because they nerfed it to right. the point where it's not it's not worth it anymore. She has like a weird loot. Like there's a lot of loot that was taken off of Vox. There was um, this other belt she dropped that wasn't a haste belt that is gone. There was the 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 staff of forbidden rights, 
the res clicky and yeah. then there was the white dragon tooth the pet the, the necro pet all that was taken off of her loot table before tlps ever happened i remember like with vox uh, i forget there was a spear i forget the name of it was but some spear, random guy the spear of grosk yeah yeah like grosk for some reason like love the spears like I don't know if he was he selling them or giving them the pads or something. I have no idea, but like that, that's, it seems like a, every other, every other week, that's all it was. It's always that stupid spear. It was hilarious. Yeah. So she, Lady Vox dropped this crystalline spear, which was basically like a trash item. And, um, and this guy named Grosk, we, we, he would bid on them. And we noticed after a couple of weeks, we're like, why has Grosk won six spears from Lady Vox? And we found out he was RMTing them, so we kicked him, and we always called it Spears of Grosk after that. There was another thing. Wasn't there... Um, there was a cleric in a guild named Lita Cow, L-I-T-A, Cow. I forget what guild she was in, but uh, I think it was a guy, and he hated us. He would like send us like crazy ranting tells, and whenever we would get that hammer that Vox drops, that really terrible hammer of Divine Grace, we would parcel them to Lita Cow, and he would respond <laughs> with a bunch of rage tells. I forgot all about that. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Um, but this reminds me something that you might like. Do you know what the rarest, the rarest non-artifact item in EQ is? I do not have any idea. Okay, so it's not rare in terms of drop chance, but the the rarest in terms of like there are the fewest. It's it's a book. It's called Note from the EQ Team. I'll read it really quick if you want. Uh, I've never heard of it. This sounds great. Okay. You, you open up the book and it says, years ago when EverQuest was started, we could only imagine the hurdles we would encounter in releasing this game. Now that we finally released, we realize one of the most critical aspects in making EverQuest was you. Without your wow. help and persistence, we could never have prepared or balanced this game. Your comments were taken to heart and heavily weighed at every turn. The EverQuest team will not forget the contribution you have made in shaping EverQuest. We look forward to with anticipation to seeing you in game. And it was an item that was only given to, to each account that had participated in the beta. Oh, so it wasn't something that just would drop on occasion during like a random boss kill? No, no, no. They only existed yeah. if you had played in the beta when you made your character in game the, for the first time, you got it. That, that explains why I never heard of it, obviously. Uh, when I first started, I think it was... Um, maybe november or october of 99 so yeah i definitely didn't do beta but that's that's almost too bad that it wasn't something that you couldn't come across in the game they you know in, in an mmo there's really no such thing as you know rolling credits obviously because they want you to keep playing um I, and there were very few instances of in-game communication like that um I, I think obviously sony probably wanted to keep it um, you know, all in the spirit of EverQuest only, but the times and the word nods to the to the player base, um, those are the things I definitely remember. Like, I, I, st I still get a kick out of the Welcome to EverQuest claim item. Um, right. That, I forget what, what expansion it's actually from, but it, it's, it's a great thing to link, obviously. But um, some of the, you know, like, some of the rare instances of communication from... Uh, GMs and, and games, or in, in, in the game, you know, besides actual live GM events or live guide events, that actually made a lasting impact to the game, are, are things that I that I've always really enjoyed. 
and some of it you know it's not even like a direct nod but you know like the stories of, of cloth caps and the earrings of sad exploitations I, I love that kind of stuff and that, that's why i've actually liked uh, so many other prior uh, episodes because you know people talking about events like that that's uh you know we're just complete one-offs and it's right what's... you get that tailored interaction from the team somehow it, it, exactly it makes it feel you know not like you're just you know paying for a product and you're like a faceless player I, obviously I, I don't mean to make a pun there but like, <laughs> a, like a, an, an anonymous player of the game you know when those kinds of events um are, if done well from the, the developers of who they are it's always really nice i've always kind of liked it yeah yeah no it, it is it is really cool whenever you get that interaction and stuff like every now and then gms will just like show up to a raid sometimes and like illusion you and even that stuff is kind of cool um but it's cool knowing that like when you're on the cutting edge, even the cutting edge of TLPs, the stuff you're doing is is impacting the game. There's patches. You know, how how often have we seen patches that were like yeah. a result of some some dumb cheese we had thought up or you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember one of the because I had played on, on live, then Agnar, then back to live and then back to mischief. I had kind of a back to back and forth with, you know, like, in terms of like the player base I was playing with. I remember that there's a guild leader um, that I the guild leader for Mock and Shin at the time was, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but, but Alana, it's A-L-L-A-Y-N-A. You know, as far as I know, they only ever played on live servers. And they they definitely, not to not to put them on the spot, but they definitely had the mindset of like, those fucking TOP players, you know, make, making other, other things get broken for us just because of their stupid TOP servers. And yeah, there were so many... Sentiment. Yeah, and there were so many instances of the instances of that. I, I can't really think of anything specifically. It more so, like, yeah, that, that that's a big one, obviously. Um, but uh, so many things, just like mechanically getting, you know, in some ways there were actually improvements, but things that wouldn't work on live servers, you know, because of in one way or another, because they were, they were needed to be made in order to balance or make TLPs uh, constant. I, I, you know, as someone who's played on both. Uh, types of of games i don't really understand the, the mentality i mean there's so many top players that also play on live it's there's there's not like a whole us against them thing against the majority of the player base uh, it, it's a lot more common than people think because you know you know again back to this earlier on live players you, you run out of stuff to do before this started i was watching um Zella and he's a necro on test uh, that that actually posts like recent necro group content videos, like you know how to how to do things as a solo necromancer, and it, that's one of the things he was talking about. How you just you know on the live game you run out of content after a few months, and there's just nothing left for anyone to do. So I don't understand that whole mentality of TOP versus live. It's it's just a different different server. What they what they do doesn't affect you at all. You know, the live players. So TLP players think of live as a bunch of boomers and live players have real vitriol in my experience towards TLP communities. Um, like if let's say that you're on TLP, right. And you're in Vale of Alaris. It's, it's an expansion deep enough in the timeline that most TLPers don't know what the hell you're talking about. So if right. you go on the TLP forums and you're like, Hey, 
um, asking this question about VOA progression, people are going to be like crickets, right? Like you're going to hear cicada sounds. And then if you go on the veteran forums where people actually know that content, you're like, hey, my gill's currently in Vale of Lardis, blah, blah, blah. They're like, get out of here, TLP, or this isn't the TLP forums, that's down there. And you're like, geez, dude, like, sorry. Or or you had that comments that we all love. Oh, I settled that with my level 95 cleric. Oh, right, yeah. That's easy. That it's is like, so good reading the Alec comments. Like, I don't know why this mob was considered hard. I just sold it with my 115. It was no problem. Exactly. <laughs> Alakazam's, it, it, you know, obviously it's one, definitely like the biggest EverQuest site that's out there, but it's it's one of the few that have actually maintained its existence for so long. As for all the bad that Alakazam, you know, is because it's been around for so long, it is so fun going back and reading some of the dumb shit that I, that I post on Alakazam. Even some of the, the stuff that's just, you know, that, uh, you know, is no longer true because the game changed or was not even true when I wrote it because I had a misunderstanding of, of how the game worked. But I was so right. confident in, in how right I was because the the things I did in the game based upon those wrong beliefs, it worked. I, I just didn't know why I was wrong. But, you know, that that is that is so... So true. And like, back to that point, um, you know, I, I kind of talked about this earlier, my original time in EverQuest back when Interreg first launched, I was pretty young as, as we all were. Uh, again, I was in my early 20s. Um, I, I don't know how people actually put up with me. Like, I actually remem- remember some of the, the the things I would say in OSC and the, 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 the unwarranted elitist attitude that I had uh, in game and on the forums. And Every once in a while, I'll, um, there, there's a website that actually took over the Interact forums, and so you, I can I can still see all those posts, and it it, it makes me kind of hate myself for sometimes <laughs> reading some of the stuff I said, or you know, obviously some of the stuff was it was was true and right, and it wasn't all bad, of course. I didn't like I wasn't intentionally trying to be a bad guy. I just I was just a guy that had no idea and it didn't have any maturity at that point, even though it was over 20 years old. But it, it's it's so hilarious reading that stuff now, at, at this point. And Alakazam is definitely definitely true with that. Um, but anyway, it's back to Agnar. Um, we were talking about Vox. Uh, I, th- I think before yeah. we get corrected. Yeah, we went down this rabbit hole of random shit. Yeah, uh, one of the things I, w- I was kind of wanting to, to talk about, I, I completely forgotten about it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, from my talking about my play history with the game, I was no stranger to EverQuest. And, you know, as far as a necromancer was concerned, I knew what I was doing because, you know, especially in classic, it's not hard, let's be honest. But I remember my um, my very first actual raid with Faceless, I, I felt like I had to prove myself, which I'm sure everyone does when they when they join a guild yes. for the first time. <laughs> yeah, if they don't suck. Um, you know, some people are just here to be lazy and collect loot, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it was a Vox raid, and um, we were all forming up at the rock at the rock outside of the the main entrance where Vox and all the, all the other uh, mobs are. And I I don't remember how specifically I got there, um, but um, I ended up on a point. You know that that doorway that's like twenty feet away from the rock um, where everyone met at. It's like the like the doorway into the the area where the ice giants are. Yeah, the Diplo Diplo door. Yeah. 
I, I ended up on, on the other side of the door. I, maybe I was just following something in there when I, I should have taken a right to go to the rock or something. But I, I found myself like past that door and no one else was around. And, and I remember, um, you know, an ice school embaggered me and I didn't want to train the raid. Obviously I knew where the raid was, it was right past the door, but I, I, I couldn't get a faint, faint off. And this ice school was like beating me down and I'm, I'm trying to like tank it by myself. And I'm like this like ungeared um, level 40 something necro. It's you know, trying not to die. And this went on for like a good two or three minutes. Like I was trying to root it and back up and heal myself back up. And I, I felt like it was, I didn't want to like concede defeat. And <laughs> as long as I didn't die, that's, uh, and as long as I didn't train anybody, I was fine with this, but uh, a few minutes go by and uh, someone opened the door and was like, what are you doing, man? Just go over to the rock and just sit there like everyone else. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was such a, such an absolute derp moment that uh, I, I, I'm actually like really glad that, that, um, you know, no one said anything like, and, and they could have. Because obviously in those kinds of those kinds of absolutely hilarious blunder moments, uh, if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, it, it can like just make crush them brutally. And I, I could have been just emotionally wounded at that moment. And right. you, know, you, you guys, you know, we, we talk about how faceless is so hard and, and, and they're really not, you know, obviously, you know, they, they try and do what they want to they try and do everything they can as best as they can. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's all about having fun. It's a game after all. And, uh, but I, I, I do, I still think that whoever that was that opened that door and told me to go back to the rock, uh, I, whoever they are, I, I don't even know at this point, I still give them credit for not teasing me because if they said that in, in guild chat or in raid say that I was being so stupid, I, I would have been so embarrassed. I don't know if I would have logged back in right. again. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, um, of like, you know, being an app and, and everything early on, there's, there's one app I think that I, I really wanted to kick on Agnar and the officers convinced me to, to not kick them. And it was uh Duana, AKA junior. You remember Why him, right? Why did you want to kick him when, when he was an app? Okay, so two things happened when he was an app that made me really dislike him. First, he cried about our rule on Vox Cloaks. Um, the Vox Cloak had, I forget what the focus was. What was it? Improved damage three? Yep. And um, we were prioritizing like damage casters over it first. And right. Druid, uh, and, like, you know, Druids always have this stick up their ass. I understand Druids have nukes, but they're kind of far down on that list, right? Right. And um, he was crying about that. And I'm like, okay, this guy is not even a full member yet. He's still hoping to be accepted into the guild. And he's crying about a rule. So strike one. Strike two for me was I was tracking CT in, in Plane of Fear. So I'm on my monk back behind the firewall, just FD watching, waiting for him to pop. And he's, for some reason, he comes to Plane of Fear on his druid and is fucking around and trains a bunch of shit over me um on accident and and gets me like aggroed i think like some evil eye or something came over and stripped all my buffs and i'm like dude what are you doing here and uh that was the number two thing and i was like i need to kick this guy like he he should not be a member here and they convinced me not to do it and we we let him stay in the guild and then you know a year later he became the guild leader 
year and a half later, maybe after, after progression was totally done when we had dominated every expansion and pop was on farm, he became yep. the guild leader and he kicked me out of the guild. Wow. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually know that that wasn't plans of power, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't playing anymore, but it's just annoying that like I created this guild yeah. and I'm not in it. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I didn't know about that. And, and we had talked, you know, completely randomly a couple times about junior, um, and I, I didn't know the full story, obviously, but that that is insane. Um, you know, for what it's worth, on Agnar, number one, I during Classic, I I was just a random member, so you know, didn't really have anything to say about that. But um, that is surprising to hear. It, it that definitely I think helps explain to me, anyways, why there's still that rift, um, you know, to this day, because you know, this is really not necessarily part of the whole content, but there have been other events um, that are related to that, that have, that I've heard about, or I've, I've witnessed on, on other servers. And one thing I've always, you know, just wondered why people didn't get is that this is your guild. And it's not even just like on one server, you know, it's, it's, it is the Zade show, you know, and, and, you know, if you join the guild, you know, you're along for the ride. And, you know, those that, that want to try and, you know, turn it into being about them, why why do they ever join the guild in the first place, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be, like, a, about me, you know what I mean? I want it to be about the team. I'm just a really a loud, annoying guy, you know what I mean? So it becomes that way. But, yeah, I mean, like, we never saw eye to eye. I promoted him. I made him an officer sometime in late Kunark or early Avelius, I think. And I have a policy like I will, I, I try to put the best people in the spots where they need to be, regardless of right. how I feel about them. And I always end up creating this thing where I'm surrounded by officers that I fucking hate or not that I hate, you know what I mean? But I'll have like two or three officers who are really talented, but annoy me all the time. And I drive myself crazy doing that. Cause I, I'm like, you know, I, I forget what he, we even, what his role was. He might have been like a split raid leader and he did some admin stuff. Either way, like Junior was was talented and I respected his talent um, at that time. So we promoted him and he he did good work, obviously, since he ended up leading the guild eventually. But we yeah. just like our personalities didn't mesh very well. Do you think some of that is likely to ha- just more likely to happen because there's so much more interaction between leadership that the regular raid roster doesn't ever come across or is it you know because of just actual those people being combined with with what am i trying to say here or or is it just a a reflection more so on them specifically i think it's a bunch of factors first the people who become officers tend to be high performers high performers are usually not chill people you know what i mean yeah and uh, you, you tend to like amp each other up and eventually maybe get on each other's nerves um yeah. you we tend to get people who have pretty big egos i have a, a, an ego problem for sure and then the last piece is i'm like really the the public face you know what i mean it's not the same as the face that the officers see like i'm right. a lot more harsh on the officers and i'll i'll grill them a little bit and officer chat and and stuff and that's just like i think um, you try to have like a customer service face, some kid gloves when you deal with the the guild at large and the server at large. But when you take on that added responsibility of like now you're part of the leadership team, 
we, we put on the big boy pants and um, it can be kind of a more rough experience. And I think, so I bring that on myself a little bit by, by not being polite all the time. Um, I'm sure a bunch of officers who have been in faceless before would, you know, would have a litany of things to say <laughs> about how, yeah. how I can be, but yeah. So I think it's all of those things. Definitely a big part of any time that I don't get along with someone, I'm, I'm probably most of the, the reason it's probably mostly my fault. Yeah. As, as someone that's, um, has only dabbled in leadership. Um, I, I don't think it's for me. Um, the closest I really came to it, like on, uh, and Agnar, we had this stupid idea of doing class leads. I, I don't know why. Uh, I, I think probably is because it was a thing on faceless servers on other expense and other TOPs that are, were later in life where, you know, pushing the buttons was a little bit harder than it was in classic and Kunark and Valius. And so there was a little bit of introduction to people about how to play or that, that sort of thing. But we did it on, on Agnar. And a, as a result, I, I it wasn't an officer role, but ended up taking loot tells on occasion. So I had, you know, a, a brief taste of it. it. It it really, it's not for me, you know, for so many, so many reasons. But I, I, I think I definitely hear what you're saying and that um, the people, it, it's not even so much about skill because it obviously, I, I think I mentioned this to, I forget who it was I said it to recently, but, um, oh, it, it was Alo on Mischief. Um, you know, Alo is, is, an, is a necro that, that uh, he's really, really good. Um, I, I recognize that right away when he first joined. I'm like, oh, he's actually parsing, you know, at my level or close to it or in some cases right above it. You know, so it's clear he knows what he's doing. And um, he started leading some raids and we were in our, our Necker channel and he was making comments about, yeah, I'm playing like shit tonight because I'm, you know, distracted trying to lead the raid. I'm like, hey, it's, your, your class tonight is not Necromancer. Your class is raid leader. And right. so what you do on the parse literally doesn't matter. And you know, that's just how it is. And if, for a lot of people that, you know, in order to get appointed as an officer, you have to obviously play the game a lot. Um, it, it, there's, I was talking with hops about this, actually, there's just a level of time and an involvement with the game that is totally different than actually playing the game. I, I, I think people that are, that become officers, it's so much more common for those toxic tendencies to come out because they don't necessarily enjoy all the time and effort that it comes with being a raid leader because it's not fun and that ultimately we're playing a game. And that's why there's so many stories about, you know, in, internal, you know, blowups within the, within guilds, just because these people are, didn't really think they would be putting up with that much, that much nonsense for, for as long as they have. So those leaders or raid leaders and officers who have done it for a long period of time, you know, they, those are the, are the real heroes, not because what they do is hard. And it is, but it's because they can do it for such a long period of time. It definitely wears on you. I mean, like yeah. leading the raids, leading guilds, um, it's such a thankless job. You don't get paid anything for doing this shit. You know what I mean? But like the raid yeah. leaders especially have to hear constant, constant complaints. Why is this guy in my group? 
why am I not in my group with my friend? They're in the other split. My group is suboptimal. Why isn't there another bard here? Like, dude, there's not there's not nine bards in the raid. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, there was a post on on the EQ subreddit recently where this druid was complaining that they were in a group with three rangers, and I just like. I had like a PTSD flashback of being a raid leader. You know what I mean? And, and like, just shut up and like, please just heal. He's like, I'm a druid. I'm not, I am not a cleric. And I'm like, stop it. You know what I mean? Like if there is less than 17% priests in, in the, the raid, which is like one for every group, then you are a full-time healer first for the raid yeah. and everything else you do is second, unless you're doing like open world contested raids where DPS is the priority. But like, if, if you're a druid, a shaman or a cleric, keeping your group alive, is your first line of duty um and yeah i mean it just drives that that stuff happens infinitely endlessly never never stops or you'll have people be like hey why am i not in like the raid that's finishing fast or why am i not in like the special raid where you know we only have 20 flags and you pick 20 people and why am i not in the 20 people and i'm like have you looked at the parse you know what i mean have you looked at like the other melee dps and, and been honest about yourself and where you break out compared to them. You know what I mean? Like if you're a rogue and you're like, you're going to beat by like beast lords and rangers. That's really all the, you know what I mean? There's no other reason necessary right there. You know what I mean? Like you got to work on yourself. Usually like if you're performing super well, um, people will come to you. They'll seek you out for opportunities that are like make or break clutch race moments. You know what I mean? Like you won't have to, you won't have to beg for those spots or anything because people want the best with them for those things. Um, before we we uh, rant on too much longer, though, I need to go over the guild list for uh, the, the big guilds for Agnar, which were Zerdula, the one we talked about that formed beforehand, thought they were going to be the top guild. True Sedation, which was Nizar's guild from Red 99. They came over. Addictions, which was Vice's guild. They had played on some previous TLPs, I think but they were a big guild in Rift. They got the world first Greenscale's Blight kill in Rift. Um, then we had Ko's guild. Ko Carnage has like, you know, he's like a Twitch guy who makes millions of dollars, which was later taken over by Tiggles from um, TMO on P99 Blue. And we had What the Guck, the guild that Frank the Bank was from. We had Fourth Meal, which I only remember because they had a really cool guild name. And we yeah. had Rusty, Sh Rusty Short Sword, which I think was a guild that actually secretly had a lot of inglorious bastards from p99 blue playing casually on it um now when we talk about contested raids we had those those ones in plane of fear i remember like kazakh thule we had a big contested raid in, on kazakh thule and our policy was always like most of these guilds are not used to open world raiding so if you just let if you if you pressure them by being near them and give them some space to to do their thing they'll just mess up on their own yep. so like addictions was going for ct we stood right next to them they charged ct engaged them and i was like okay wait no one engaged yet until we see his health tick down to like 97 then we'll go in and sure enough like he he kills like three or four people before he gets to 97 and i'm like okay now we go in so now we we knew that they were all going to be on the the aggro table way ahead of us at first and he was going to death touch their people and they had already had a few deaths it was perfect smooth win when ko and tiggles competed with us was their guild called last of the ancients or something i forget i can't remember what they were called the, the guild name doesn't does not sound familiar to me at all yeah, I don't remember, but they competed with us in playing hate for Interruck. They were actually like already, they were doing like hate minis and stuff when Interruck popped. So they went, they moved on them and we bat phoned. 
and we're standing at the stairway leading up to Interruck. We're, we're basically down the hallway right before that. And we sit on top of them and they, they kind of panic and they, they call to like pull a bunch of stuff. And we, we see their pool coming and they think that we're just going to be there like clearing shit, racing to Interruck with them, right? So their pool comes, they have a really aggressive pool and we just back up and the pool just wipes them. Like the trash just wipes them because they pulled too much, expecting us to be fighting it too. And then we right. walked up to Interruck and got like the free the free kill there. Um, but what was what what else was good in classic? We had three crazy paladins in our guild in classic. Do you remember the three paladins? Abacab was definitely one. Yes, Abacab. Uh, Abacab, um, Mafaka, and Secrets. Secrets so, was a paladin. Oh, right. Yeah, it was a paladin. So he, he, they he wasn't really crazy so much, but uh, yeah. Secrets was the least crazy of the paladins. He for this sure. was even in his wilder days, this was you know, that time he's mellowed out a lot since then, but um they were like crazy. Now remember do you remember the center issue? No. So back then if you had logs turned on and Oh Yeah, now you remember? Yeah. <laughs> go go ahead. Talk about it. Um, I, I can't remember exactly how it worked because I wasn't a paladin, but it was something about you would be able to, um, um, like, wouldn't it like lag you out or, or lag like the person out entirely? Yeah. Or, if um, if a mob cast center or a player cast center, it would appear in text as like carrot center carrot right when when the spell was parsed. Right. And that would go to your log file and like supposedly windows would try to execute that command on the entire log file. It would try to center the text and it would be this huge lag spike. Like you would just freeze up for a second. So it made zones like permafrost really nasty because there's all those low level clerics just spamming the center spell. Abacab walked into someone's raid in plane of fear and just had a, had a hotkey. Every line was slash shout. And then the center thing, and he was just hammering it, and they couldn't. Their the rage just like wiped to something. They couldn't do anything. <laughs> oh, this game is so broken, I swear. <laughs> and then Abacab also um, found a guy. I think it was him and Secrets found a guy in the Freeport Arena who was AFK. Yep. Automating his defense skill ups against a uh, mage pet, and Abacab decided to start training him and he so he trained the guards on this dude and realized that the guy was bound in the arena now if you die to a pet it's no big deal you don't lose any exp in a duel right so he was planning like that guy was just like okay the pet will kill me over and over i'll wake up and i'll have max defense abacab trained the guards on this guy for hours literally hours he went from level 50 to like below 40 he was like in the 30s and Abacab had to stop because you could no longer move in East Freeport because there was so many of this guy's corpses there. Abacab was definitely the kind of player that it was always a delight being in the guild. But at the same time, you always ask yourself, why is he in the guild? That So that was a problem. Like, we, we had a policy. We would give everyone a chance, right? We were like, okay, yeah. I've heard terrible things about this guy, but... Um, as long as it's like terrible in-game shit, right? If you're like a fucking uh, a murderer in real life, 
will probably say no. But we heard ter- terrible things about Abcab in game, but we we're like, yeah, we'll give him a shot. You know what I mean? Let's see how he does. And he was crazy, absolutely crazy. And then at that time, it was getting close to Kunark, and we had our Kunark launch plan. The guild knew what the launch plan was for the most part. We had groups picked out, and everyone knew the goal was the fastest V chance peak clear ever. And I'm like, okay, we got this guy, Abacab. He's absolutely crazy. If I kick him out now, which is what I want to do, because I don't want a guy in my guild who's behaving this way, that'll be great. But then he's going to dedicate Kunark launch to, to being <laughs> yeah. a big fucking problem for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do I want to deal with that? So that was the conundrum. And I found myself in that conundrum a number of times over the years. But Abacab was definitely the, the stickiest one. And eventually, Abacab found this uh, this thing where he could transfer himself. He they, they would let you transfer from Agnar to Rallosec because Rallosec server population was so low, you could transfer to it from any server. And um, Abacab server transferred to Rallosec, and uh, and then he bought a bunch of classic loot off the bazaar for real cheap. Like like a bunch of cloak of flames and all that shit, and then he petitioned GMs and said, "Hey, I accidentally server transferred. I didn't mean to. Can you bring me back?" And they did. And we were like, "Oh, that's crazy!" And which is hilarious because the 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 number of things Abacap had had done in game, I'm sure there were dozens of petitions about him. You know, know, obviously we've only really talked about two of those events, but I, I I still just am shocked that they actually brought him back over over to Agnar. It's like, why would they not spend the two seconds to look at his, his, his player history? I, I know, right? So then he he's like, Abacab, if you know him, you know exactly what he's going to do now, right? He's going to yeah. do this like 10 more times. So yep. Abacab goes back over to Rallosec and someone um, petitioned or something and was like, hey, this player is intentionally abusing this system. And then when he tried to come back from Rallosec, they were like, nope. And he could never come back. And that then he rather than re-roll a character or anything, he just quietly quit. And we were like, all right, that problem has solved itself. Yeah, I wasn't aware that he had actually successfully uh, gotten back to Agnar for like a, for like a long time. I, I thought he just got stuck on on uh, SE. But some of the other examples of just like the random stuff that uh, Abacab would do, I, I can't remember the name of, of the Enchanter, but there was an Enchanter that was playing by themselves. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were, you know, using exploits of some kind but they were they found they realized that no one could dispel their pet if they went red so they were an enchanter that you know was pretty much able to do whatever they wanted to do and no one could really remember anything about it that enchanter in plane of fear right they were always be being plane of fear farming shit yep so abacab you know obviously found out about this so he also went red so we could you know pvp this enchanter which is hilarious because Classic enchanters, why would you voluntarily seek them out to PvP? But Abacab just didn't give a shit. He did did whatever was fun. And, you know, absolutely highlight of, of Agnar Classic uh, for me, because just uh, some of the stories that I would hear about the guy. But, um, you know, that just one of my one of my definite memories of, of Agnar that I think was great. You just you kind of had to had to be there to understand half of it, but the guy is just an awesome uh, bringer of of entertainment to the game. I think because the game itself yeah. is, is pretty boring. No, I, I think maybe you know as I get older, I begin to think maybe Abacab was onto something. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And like he, maybe he we're doing it was. wrong. 
Like even um, Mafaka, you mentioned him, you know, briefly a minute ago, and you've talked about him a couple times on uh, other episodes. Mafaka, you know, brought a lot of spice to uh, Velius on Agnar. Um, there were, uh, I think, for me, Velius. There was definitely a lot more competition uh, between other guilds because there's, there's always those inevitable, um, you know, races in, in North TOV. You know, what what side does it does the guild go? Do they go west or they go east? And then you have those like stalemate races where no one wants to be uh, the guild to to engage the second to last dragon because then you can get get yourself stuck. And Mafaka was definitely responsible for um, instigating a couple of those events. Um, players like him and 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 Cab Drew definitely, I I think for me. Um, make classic Kunark and Velius fun, not because the things they do or the people that they are, um, you know, is not because they're upstanding citizens, but they're they're definitely characters, almost like an NPC in them in their own right. And it's it, I I think I think those kind of players, if they didn't exist, the TOPs would not exist in those eras at all. Yeah, I think I think you're right. They they add a lot of spice to the content. Um, with uh, with Kunark, um, I remember you know again because I, I was still pr- pretty fresh with uh, faces at the time. You know, by that point I was I was definitely you know like an an experienced raid member at that stage. But as far as the Kunark launch, it, it was obvious that the like the solid reliable crew from multiple TLPs was going to be the ones on that VP clear. So I I, I always remember being really jealous about Artemessa. Because you know, obviously, they they were that person uh, for for faceless uh, on Agnar, and uh, I one of my I, I didn't actually get a chance to do the the very first um, Bellius clear until Mischief, but uh, I remember like being in Guild Chat and just you know watching the stream at the time, and you know just the hilariousness of being envious of Artemessa, and then hearing about what it was like for them on that very first clear because there were so few people uh in on that raid and how it's it's a totally different kind of raiding experience than it is you know for the second clear but uh, i was you know even, even though artemessa ended up leaving um agnar and w- in terms that i wasn't happy about not that my departure from agnar was was kind either but uh you know definitely one of the one of the things i remember more so about that time on Agnar. Yeah. Now I remember I remember Kunark. So like Kunark launch, I'm pretty sure it was just a clean sweep. No one no one yeah. came close to contesting anything. And I remember Kunark almost being like just kind of like the faceless show. You know what I mean? At least from our oh, yeah, perspective. Sure. Like no one no one was doing anything. Um open world really. I think Tiggles Guild contested us in V Chance Peak a few times. Um and they they lost their that was when remember Gasly that was Gasly's uh, first raid with us. Tiggles Guild was like already in Vishan's Peak because they were again doing their AOC. This is like a common theme on TLPs. Like a random semi hardcore guild will be doing their a- Agent of Change, and a raid mob will pop in the yep. zone right next door. And then they're like, okay, well we already have fifty people here, so they they started moving on a few mobs in Vishan's Peak, and we bat phoned and and I was like, yeah, Gasly was like already there he might've been the person who told us they were zoning in. And I was like, all right, Gasly, time to be dragon defender. 
and he like was kiting dragons around and shit so they couldn't kill him until we got there oh i think he was doing a little more than kiting dragons around as i recall right. i don't want to i don't <laughs> yeah. want to out him specifically but he, he definitely earned that title and i i i know for a fact that they had some gifts waiting for him when they came back from their suspension it was it was well earned yeah 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 did he he got suspended for that huh um, I, I pretty sure, I don't know personally, I, I didn't really know the guy that well. I, I'm pretty sure he did actually. Yeah. Um, so Agnar, we had a policy. Do you remember that? Like, uh, if you got suspended following the instructions of a raid leader, you got a hundred percent RA and all the DKP you missed during the duration of your suspension. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you earned it, obviously. I mean, it, it's, it's a game that you literally can't play because, we had to do something for the for the betterment of the guild. You know, again, the goal was no scraps, right. and th the goal was not only that, but was to do things quicker. And sometimes that 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 just means doing something that might not be savory to your average person in a in a family guild. But yep. you know, as dumb and cheeky as it is, when when you play a game for as much as, as you know a lot of TO play, players do especially those in, in Batphone guilds, that level of, I guess, I don't want to call it sacrifice, but those level of actions, it, it's someone's going to do it. It's just a matter of who is going to be willing to. Um, and it, it's, I really believe that those kind of events, um, even though they're at surface level, they're not something that a developer or you know, a gaming company would officially um support I, I do think they're good for the game it's it's almost like these people that that think that boxers are bad for the game you know like if, if boxers didn't exist then the level of players playing the game wouldn't exist and that, not only yeah. that but the things that you want to buy and farm for trade skill materials would not exist if it wasn't for boxers you know obviously i'm a person that's never been one except for like a, a couple experiments with it. But, you know, it's part of what makes EverQuest what it is. And nowadays, these kinds of players are needed. Yeah, I mean, like, I always wanted to be more sharing and equitable in, in previous incarnations of EverQuest. But when they added Agents of Change, I was kind of like, okay, now yeah. you can be really rough in open world, and it doesn't actually, like deprive anyone of content. So that's I that concept having agents of change made me feel a lot better about going hard in open world stuff and kind of getting our hands dirty a lot more. You know what I mean? Cuz I knew I wasn't denying content to anyone cuz they would still do their weekly AOCs and get to play the game, you know what I mean? Uh whereas in previous servers when we had to go really hard, it was like sorry, like everyone loses except for us. Yeah, and I think a lot of people also forget that you know the guilds that would like to be able to do stuff in open world, but can't because they they can't bat phone or they don't have the roster to compete with bigger guilds. The vast majority of them just end up adjusting. They just split AOCs. You know, it's it's one thing that that um, faceless on on Agnar during Velius, we didn't really do very heavily. We could have probably, yeah, I don't know how many times we could have split Veloc, but. We never really did. We 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 I think we ended up doing just two Veloc kills on AOCs once a week, and we easily could have done four or five, you know, because the way that the, the way that Veloc splits works at the time. Reality was those that we were killing it so much in open world because that's what we cared about more than anything else that we didn't really want the hassle 
of you know deep splitting so many different Velox all the time. And yeah, there was actually there was an exploit um, for Vulac too that you can get more. Like uh, True Sedation was doing an exploit that they told us about, and um, it would let you get double the number of Vulacs per week. And I was just like, uh, yeah, dog, I'm gonna just do the open world one because like I spend too much of my life in Tove already. Yeah, with with you know personally, and I'm not even really I can't remember the exact mechanics of how the Vulac thing worked, but I'm a little biased on this point because I was I was in Mach and Shin um, when we got called out by Dreamweaver for um, doing something similar. It wasn't the exact same thing because they weren't AOCs; they were regular DZ raids. But the I, I think I, I shared the the, the I remember post this. Yeah, you tell me about it. Yeah, I showed the post at one point, but the the game window actually said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but the the actual game text said that you beat the event, you can add members to to the event uh, at this point. And so that's exactly what we did. We we added members to the the instance to, to get loot because we had a mains before loot policy. And just other guilds, it just blew them up. And I, I still to this day, I don't want to, you know, you know, start any drama because one, I'm no longer in Mach and Shin, and I don't even care about um, live raids anymore. But at the time, I remember a lot of us being so mad about it because that whole inter-guild competition thing, it felt like um, a lot of other guilds were mad because that meant their advantage of killing um exp- killing content as it unlocked you know every like what five days instead of once a week that that advantage that it got them in loot was mitigated by being able to you know just add characters to pick up loot um and, and some of that you know obviously directly correlates to how those velox splits work worked but i also think that um you know because on when you beat, you know, Veloc or any other raid target, you know, it announces to the to the to the server um, that it was killed. If, you know, if we had split it three or four or five times as, as often as we could, I, at the time, it, it seems like that would have been something that would have gotten us in trouble because it would actually give people something that they could share with uh, with Daybreak to point the finger at us and i think that was probably why we didn't do it as well yeah and that, that was definitely still the era where face was was like seen as like a villain in everquest you know yeah for sure we're only s- still you know we we still are doing work to get out of that mindset i think we've done a lot you know what i mean like on mischief a lot of guilds get along really well with us but definitely oh, yeah, on sure. agnar on agnar we were bad guys an ex- another example of uh, an Agnar being a bad guy, and, and this mirrors, you know, like what you're talking about, instance in Kunark Reticles. One of my most enjoyable raids on Agnar, uh, I think, was um, I, I forget the guild. I think it was again. I'm pretty sure it was Mabu's guild. I could be wrong, um, but they um, were going to do their AOCs and Dragon and Dragon Necropolis. And, and Western Waste or Eastern Waste, whatever it was called, I forget. Um, and um, what's his name? The dragon outside of TV, the red one. Uh, uh, um, Air, uh, not, not Aaron, our fucking, uh, yeah. Wow, how, how am I forgetting this right now? Uh, crap. 
not Zlandikar. Anyways, the red dragon outside of TV. Um, it, it spawned and they decided to kill it. And at the time, we were actually, you know, doing our AOC for for the lock, and the AOC ended. We had no idea the guy was up. We weren't even watching. Obviously, we didn't even care about the dragon at that time. Um, that's it. Yes. And um, so the AOC ends, and we po- it, it pops you right outside TOV. And there was this guild, and, and there was Sontalak, and they're like, screw it, we're going to kill Sontalak. And you know, the other guild just had no idea what, what happened. We were just like literally popped on them at the exact same time. I'm sure to them it felt like we cheated because, you know, they were already engaging him, and instantly there we were. But, you know, that's just how the game works. But it was just so funny to me that, that we were able to um, – with not even trying, just being able to actually still get the Sontalak kill. Obviously, there's a little more to it because Sontalak fears, and when your when it fears are raided, drops your DPS and all that. But it was just so fun to me at the time, watching yeah. that happen. It it definitely reminded me of that time in Classic when you know a guild was already formed in raid, in in Plane of Fear, and we still bat phoned and beat them to Dracolich. It was yeah. just that that level of no scraps, and we were able to mobilize so much better than anybody else because they it just made it so much fun. It was great. I think that back then the the meta for contesting raid mobs was really immature. Um, you know what I mean? Because a lot of guilds basically had never been able to kill early raid content before because it was already it was always locked out by major guilds you know what i mean so right a lot of the guilds we were racing on agnar had really very little experience with contested raids and um it just made it like super easy for us because we were used to it like fresh out of lockjaw doing it for six straight months every every raid mob being contested i do remember on agnar a lot of times where we would like be in our our DZs and we'd be like, Oh, something popped and we would have to like dip out of the DZ mobilize, kill that open world shit and then go back to the DZ. And like, sometimes if we had splits, the splits would race each other and DPS race each other on the open world mob and then get back to the DZs. And that was so fun. Yeah. Anything that's uh, on a open, on a, not open, but an early TOP, uh, you, you have to keep it fun for people. I, I, I think anyways, that if there's no, there's no, if there's nothing to chase over, then there's no incentive to actually keep playing because, you know, I think those expansions are fun, um, you know, to do once or twice, but, you know, for people that want to come back and and keep doing them over and over again, you have to find a way to make it enjoyable. And the, I I don't want to say PVP, but the inner guild competition, it it has to be there because it's the, the only thing that makes the game feel alive really. Um, right now in, in Kunark though we we did lose um two mobs notably true sedation was was the result was the guild that got both of them talendor they beat us on a on an open world contested uh or sorry true sedation beat us on, on an open world contested talendor that gets was leading um Rezikis. and uh how did they i think i think we made a call to like port in and evac and they had someone tag them and just drag them down to their raid as they charged at the same time. You know what I mean? Because we were evacing to the yeah. this the sucker point that was closer to where he was, but they got the pool off while we were doing that, and uh, they got him. And then one time we weren't bothering to track in Vishan's Peak because uh, we hadn't been contested in so long, and they 
they sniped a Faradar. And I remember um, I had a spy at that point. Etheria was my spy in, in Trucidation. And he sent me a screenshot of of them fighting Faradar. And he's like, you guys forgot one. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, giving up a Faradar. Uh, that must have been when uh, I, I took in a two-week vacation from the game at that point. Um, that That must have stung, I'm sure. You know what it did was it made us tighten up our tracking and stuff because we we were just getting lazy. Yeah. Um, well, true Sedation, there were some good players. I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, they were, they were talented. They were they were definitely the the you know our enemies of the server, um, or enemies of ours on the server, and maybe even the enemies of the server. But <laughs> but uh, you know I I did have some a couple chances to play with them outside of raids. And, uh, you know, I, I think definitely if, if any guild were to, um, you know, beat us to something, I, I'm not at all surprised. It was almost always Trustedation. Yeah. Um, you know, they obviously with TLPs, like every single, this is really no stranger to any of, or this is nothing new on them. But um, it, again, this is my first TLP. So the first time I was actually, you know, seeing some of this stuff, I remember like, you know, walking into Swamp of No Hope and, you know, being able to summon a druid at any point, it's like you. It, it got to a just by dropping something on the ground. It got to a point where if I ever needed a port, um, I would origin to Kabbalist and just walk over to Swamp of No Hope and and drop yep. something on the ground, and a druid would pop over to me and like yep. wave and give me a sew, and I would ask for a port, and they'd they'd always give me one. It was just so hilarious. And, you know, I, it's like I I knew what they were doing. They knew that I knew that they were what they were doing. And, you know, it was like a, it was almost like a, um, like a, like a side eye smile. Like, yeah, here's your port. Thanks for, thanks for not saying anything. Kind of, well, kind of interaction. That was great. That eventually really fucked True Sedation because they, they got the reputation of being the macro quest guild. Yep. Um, and someone made a video. Actually, I still have it here. They, they made a YouTube account called Nizar True Sedation, which is funny. And they made uh, this video where it's a bunch of voice logs from the True Sedation Discord or whatever. And uh, they're just admitting to macro questing. And there's like a video of Eldoran, who was the the warper. They would drop like fish scales on the ground of Swamp of No Hope and boom, his characters would just warp there instantly yeah. no matter where it was and pick it up. And it just it just crushed their recruitment. And they, they after, um, after Kunark, they were never able to really contest anything again as they slowly like you know, got their uh, guild whittled down. I, I, I don't well, know if I want to, if, if I want to go into this or maybe you'll need to edit this part out, but I, I that, that kind of, those kinds of interactions and, and that YouTube video of, you know, that, that got leaked. Um, I think they're probably some of the precursor for some of the screenshots that I've seen um, that have been censored in hilarious ways that um, I, I, I think it's just, completely unnecessary because it's still blatantly obvious to anyone what's going on. Um, back to my origins of, of how I got, you know, playing EverQuest before I even played EverQuest, I primarily played a, a MUD that was designed by the developers to be played AFK because it would keep you burning credits. Um, and, you know, and that was actually just, you know, how, like literally how the game is meant to be played. But, Whenever when I got into EverQuest, I never even knew about MacroQuest up until I, so late in the development of or in the time span of the game. I, I my first interaction with it was that 
probably like the second time I actually remember it actually being something I knew existed when I first joined Mock and Shin um, as, as an app. Um, it was two days after uh, Necromancer and Mock and Shin had been kicked out of the guild because they were using MacroQuest to farm a collect a collection item in, I forget what zone, in TBL. And they were just doing it like 24 hours a day. Like it was blatantly obvious. I don't know if they're doing it on their Necro or on their Shatter Knight, but there are a lot of people that that didn't know me. They, they thought I was that person just with a new character name. And I had to actually like get grilled a couple of times just to prove that I wasn't that same guy just coming back as on a different character name because I got, I got kicked out because on live servers, you know, as Q Loss and others have mentioned, it's very, the majority of the community is very against it. Um, especially, you know, if you're actually using it to play the game for you. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But on, on Agnar, I don't think I ever really personally came across it and never, re- except for knowing that that was how, you know, a certain person was farming things in like Runny Eye during Classic and a couple other expansions. But, you know, again, the the vast majority of players were buying items from them. And I don't understand why people would, would find that fun. And the reality is, I think the most of the times the people that do it are just because they're RMTing. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if, if you can mac request something you're able to do it for 24 hours a day what i still don't understand is the whole dynamics of why daybreak has literally allowed it to run i mean how hard can it be to tell when a person is mac requesting i've i've been suspended wrongly once because they said i was playing afk even though my character was doing literally nothing but i i just i was afk and they they summoned me and they didn't actually even put anything to say, no tell, nothing. But when I got, I, I got summoned and a couple minutes later, when I, when I came back to the game, I didn't even know I got summoned. So I just got up and started walking around and instantly got teleported. But meanwhile, daybreak allows, you know, entire groups on TOPs and the live servers run 24 hours a day, seven days a week for months. And, you know, I'm told that on some occasions they've they've been getting kicked off, but I I just don't understand why they let like why they let go on as much as they do. Yeah, I don't know. I had uh, someone talk to me not too long ago and tell me that there is a person on the inside who is working with basically the biggest RM tier, but I I don't think I believe that person who said that. But it was just something that was mentioned kind of offhandedly to me, and it wasn't like one of those like, oh yeah, I, I bet you there's someone doing it. It was like someone who was was in the know and kind of was in that community and, and worked with those people. And they're like, yeah, there's there's a person who works there that that uh, does it too, and is kind of like in on the cut, so it keeps them safe. And I was like, mm, I don't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, this is about another game, so I don't want to talk about it for too long. But I watched a, a YouTube video recently about some of the things that uh, Warcraft gold farmers are doing now to be able to keep up with Blizzard's attempts, Blizzard's attempts at uh, regulating that. And it, it, it's, it's definitely something that I don't think that Daybreak would ever really be able to fully combat. But, you know, it, it's just when it goes on for weeks on end, it does seem like that they are either turning a blind eye because they know they can't stop it or 
or something that's going on. Maybe it's just not worth for them to even try. Yeah, I don't know. How long does it take to walk into Siren's Grotto and ban all the characters in there? Like, it even if it takes them twenty only 24 hours to level new characters, just walk in every day and fucking blitz them. You know what I mean? But anyway, I don't know the first thing about how, how Dark Paw handles all that stuff. So I, I can't really pass judgment. I just know that whatever they do right now is not working. Yeah, and it's and it's not enough. I mean, I think there's a lot of players that do end up quitting uh, because of these... You know, there's there were some pretty server economy changing things that that happened because of these bot of these people running all these all these Mac request bots that that is not good for the game um, right yeah but I, I I guess I believe the old um, conspiracy that the the people that are Mac requesting bring in more money than the people who don't and Maybe that's the reason why that there's nothing, there's no real incentive in it for them. Um, I think it's kind of a short-sighted view to have, but you know, what what do I know? But uh, yeah, definitely back to Agnar, obviously. <laughs> so I think we covered everything from Kunark by mentioning the true sedation drama there, and then right. we, we go into to Velius. Now Velius, um, there had been some drama on the forums. Back then, the EQ forums had a lot better drama. I think people have just calmed down nowadays. But there was some drama on the forums where um, someone was talking about Sleeper's Tomb and getting in there before Faceless and um, how we would like RMT all the loot. And I remember responding and be like, I, and being like, I'm going to wake up the Sleeper on the first day of Velius and we're going to delete all the loot. And they're like, no, you won't. And I was like, okay. And as soon as they said, no, you won't, I was, I, I, you know, I was reverse psychology locked in to doing it like there was nothing in the world that could have stopped me and uh yeah. the officers were like all super on board with it too they thought it would be great yeah i remember uh hannah getting the one of the two i think the first uh first trade yeah the two of the shrouds dropped and singe and hannah got them yeah Tevinter was obviously just just so i wouldn't say he was mad but he was kind of bombed he's like can i just can i just please have the robe they're like nope we're gonna destroy it sorry man <laughs> it was just yeah, hilarious so, so velius launched were, were you in the sleeper's tomb raid ravanta uh, no i was not that was that was right. Ramessa. sorry about that we should have no brought words. you because we brought a pile of monks but monks actually suck uh in sleeper's tomb because of Ventani and, and all the aes and bullshit but um velius launched and we decided, you know, that we were really going to execute like the plan to wake the sleeper up and, and delete all the loot. And so we like did all the open world sleepers tomb shit or the open world sleepers tomb key mobs. Then we did all the instances and we realized, I think we, we found out like right before Valius launched that there was a plan Four guilds had formed an alliance to uh, go into sleepers tomb before I we did. That. Yeah. And I don't even remember all four guilds. I think it was addictions. Um, what the guck and, uh, two other guilds um my pants i think because because cab drew was there fourth guild may have been either fourth meal or true sedation but probably not true because people don't work with them anyway so they they started uh combining their keys right they they did their their sleepers tomb key mobs first in their instances and then all formed up as a combined raid and started going in there and when we got hip to the plan me and and poopy went to sleeper's tomb open world with our first keys while the guild kept clearing Velius raid content in open world and every time 
we would see someone running towards Sleeper's tomb to with a with a group of people to zone in. I would grab a big pile of the golems and and the master of the guard or whatever, and I would train them to the zone line so people would zone in and immediately get wrecked. That way, it would keep a open world sleeper's tomb safe. So they went into their instance to sleeper's tomb, and I remember us clearing all the content and Capture was streaming it, and we were watching like so intently. And their sleeper's tomb raid, they killed three of the warders, but it took them forever. They had like multiple wipes on a bunch of them. And uh, they got to the fourth warder and they couldn't get it. And then their timer ran out, like six full hours had passed. So the DZ closes. And then we go to open world sleepers tomb with 22 characters or 21 characters. And we, we cleared out all the dragons. Like we said, we would, we gave all the, the no drop loot to classes that couldn't use it. And we gave all the droppable loot to people to give to priests of discord to make sure that, you know, people couldn't reclaim items or anything. So all the sleepers tomb loot was destroyed except for the three dragons that that alliance had killed. And, um, I think like one, no mask dropped, but no shrouds of longevity exist. No monk ever wore a shroud of longevity on Agnar. Um, and our bard singe and Hannah, our warrior would link their shrouds and monk chat all the time. It was kind of funny, but, but yeah, so the way my mindset on that was like, no one gets the loot. It's it's equal. You know what I mean? You guys don't get Sleeper's Tomb loot. My guild doesn't get Sleeper's Tomb loot. It's all good. It's all gravy. It's it's the only really fair way to do it. You know, on on a server with that many guilds, you know, eventually there's there's always that guild that's going to do it first and, you know, ruin it for everybody as they say. And I don't I don't really understand the whole Sleeper drama. I, I think that the, you know, obviously with Mischief, the the way Sleeper loot ended up playing out, I think it was probably the way it should always be amazing happen. yeah you should always be honestly you should just always be able to go to agent of change and pick which version of sleepers tomb you want to pop yeah i, I don't know if that was intentional on, on mischief working out that way being able to you know still get the loot pools from the original dragons but it, it just made so much more sense uh, yeah, to me it anyway. was yeah it, I remember, it was great I, I can't remember the exact amount but i i do recall hearing um a couple of years ago uh, that that no mask um someone was trying to buy it on on agnar and it, i think it sold for some just absurdly high amount of money it was frank just so is crazy. trying to is he still trying to buy it or is, i forget if frank is buying it or selling it but he wants to move the no mask for 50 chrono on agnar if anyone still has it I, I could have sworn I, I I thought it got sold a couple of years ago. Maybe maybe it got sold and the Frank just has it now. But there's there's just just enough of Agnar players that want to have items that are that unattainable. And obviously that no mask is definitely one of them. And I I think even though I I, I just said that the original uh, or Sleeper's Tomb 1.0 loot should still be attainable when it's not. It, it is. It is fun being the thing the person has it. So I totally understand that point. Yeah, definitely like more sought after. Now, I think important context here since we we did, you know, obviously it's a dick move waking up to sleeper and everything like that. But important context with this is that the previous server we were on, Lockjaw, we kept the sleeper asleep for nine months, the longest it's ever been asleep on a TLP server. And then we we woke it up with the full guild or with the full server. Like we, we invited everyone on the server to come to Sleeper's Tomb for the wake the waking of the sleeper. So uh, we had already done one where we were like the good guys, you know what I mean? 
and that was our turn to do one however we wanted. I, I think some of that actually, like the whole like anti-RMT hate that, that we were involved with of wanting to give that incentive to wake, to, uh, wake the sleeper as soon as possible was because, you know, one of our own uh, officers had actually stolen the guild bank in, in Kunar. I think it was Kunar. Yeah, I, forgot to, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so Getsum from IB, a.k.a. Rezikis. Um, yep. I won't I won't say he stole the guild bank here, um, but he was holding our guild bank, which was like 250 chrono, and his account mysteriously got banned. He told us it got banned, never logged in again, and all that 250 chrono, gone. Popular theory was that that was a lie so that he could take the chrono and bounce. And um, despite the fact that he was an officer with the guild and we played a, a tremendous amount with him for like six straight months, we like have almost never talked since. And it has always struck me as kind of weird because like I talked to almost everyone I've played with at that level, you know what I mean? Kind of semi-frequently, like you still catch up with people yeah. and he never reached out. We, you know, it, it just felt a little off, but I, I won't go all the way in and say that he stole the guild bank. I just, you know, 250 chrono were lost either to his character being banned even though he wasn't cheating or doing anything to get banned or to him just taking it and running either way. I'm over it by now. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. I, I don't even know what we would use. I think we, for a long time we were buying items and, and DKPing them out. Remember that we were like buying, um, what was that focus item that drops in Seb randomly? Um, the, the, the shoulders, wasn't it? Yeah. The shroud or whatever we would buy those. We, we would buy a bunch of bullshit like that. And some of the rare raid drops, and we would just DKP it out as bonuses with our our guild chrono. And we built up a shit ton of chrono because of track BPs. Like we would sell track BPs because you get like you kill track every single day, and you get so many BPs, and you get like 80, 80 shaman BPs, and you got four shaman in the guild. You know what I mean? And you're just selling them all. So built up a big war chest for us. And I think yeah, after like, that, we stopped really keeping a, a guild bank. Yeah, chrono and and. And EverQuest, it's just so weird. Some people are so against it because they, they hate the RMT that, that it encourages. And some people are all about it because if it wasn't for Chrono, they wouldn't be playing because you know they, they play um, and self-fund the game through selling stuff to be able to buy Chrono. So there's, there's really no right answer on this point. But uh, sometimes the reality is when you, when you play on you know, one or two TLPs, you just get so rich. Uh, on on Agar, yeah. as a solo necro, um, I was able to farm and you know did really well. Uh, I farmed the, the shit out of Chardock, for example. Um, I had amassed so much chrono that, um, you know, I, I said earlier that Faceless was you know at, at its core just a bunch of bros that we were always really cool with each other. But you know, every single one of us were always playing ultimately for ourselves and one of my other like personal memories from from agnar was i i, I really wanted a um a will sapper because uh, you know i had one you know relatively early on live and it was the only way a necro can slow and velius so I, I i just really wanted a will sapper um so vaniki you know obviously you're aware is kind of a bitch to to, to camp because of how the yep. spawn works yep. so you know, when it, when it came time to do it, I knew it was going to be a pain in the ass. But, you know, sure enough, Vanity Pops, it was like 2.30 in the morning. And I could have gotten help. 
from the guild had I asked. But what I was so worried about is asking for help from the guild to kill it. And then someone saying, oh, well, you know, I'm a I'm so-and-so class, you're a necro, I should get it, or I helped you, I should get a chance to roll on it. But I was like, no, right. I, I can't just spawn for two weeks. You know, it's like, this is mine. Um, because of <laughs> fearing that whole interaction play out, um, I actually paid Cabdrew, uh 20 chrono, maybe a 25, just to come and kill it and let me loot it. And I, I'd sort of prearranged this in advance with them, you know, because I, I, I knew him. I didn't really know him that well, but I, I, he, I knew he was a player that would definitely do things for Chrono. And I was like, hey, if I get Vanicky to spawn, will you kill him for me? Because I, I obviously can't by myself. And, and let me loot the Will Sopper. He's like, sure, man, just let me know. And so he gives me his Discord handle. And one day I was like, hey, dude, I, I know it's early, but, but Vanicky popped. He's like, yeah, I can log in. He's like, and he said, you got that Chrono? I'm like, yeah, uh, you know I do. And uh, he logs in and kills it. I, I still remember being so nervous. You know, he, he had killed Vanicky. I was in the group with him. But he had loot rights, obviously. But he's like, all right, give me that chrono. I, I, I felt like I could trust him, obviously. Otherwise, why would I ask him and why would I send him a tell? But it was so, ner- so nerve-wracking to me because I was giving a guy basically 200 bucks. And, right. and I hit trade and he's like, cool. And then he signed it to me, and you know, I, I had a Will Sapper. And so, you know, for all all the all the hate that the Cabdrew gets, and all, all the bad things Cabdrew has done, I can definitely say he is a person. He, he's a businessman when it comes time to getting Chrono. But I, I was so nervous about that. I literally threw I threw up right after I threw the Will Sapper. <laughs> I went right to the bathroom and I threw up, and. I, then I went right back to sleep because I've been camping that spawn for like two days. But um, yeah, it's, these, these kinds of events, you know, wouldn't happen on a server that didn't have that level of, you know, I guess competitive players. You know, if it, if it would have been just a bunch of random casuals, like everyone thinks TLP players are, then Vanicky would have stayed up for, you know, a couple of days, you know, right. Like, like you would on like you know on live servers you know when Vilius was live i don't think obviously in that time people didn't know you know who vanicky was or what he dropped but um these these kinds of interactions make the things that are hard but they, they make them like really impossible unless you actually are willing to put in that amount of effort to be the one to get it because everybody else wants it and it's what i i, I think is what makes the game fun in a lot of ways yeah, no, it is. I, I've always thought of Cab Drew, by the way, as like a person who you could trust. Like he he definitely is all about Chrono and stuff, but like he's not a person that I would ever expect to go back on his word. Yeah, that, make, that so, makes sense. Like I said, you know, he, he definitely was, was trustworthy there in that point. And not only that, but, you know, he, he could have just, just as easily just killed it and just looted it. Be like, yeah. hey, thanks for letting me know what's up. You know, that, that's, right. what I was, that's what I was really fearing. But, um, you know, I, it, it is, it is telling that, um, I, I trusted cab drew, uh, because the promise of chrono more than I, 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 f- I really fear the interaction of someone saying, well, I came out there and, and helped you kill it. You know, I, I want a chance to roll on it at least because right. that that's more what I was afraid of. And, that, and that's my own, I, my own f- flaw, I guess, because, 
you know, I mean, I was playing with these guys for, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, you know, why would someone fuck me over like that? But I was just so worried about that happening. Now, how hard is it? Like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you wouldn't be able to do Vaniki. Does he, does he summon? Is that why? Um, well, in, in Vela, so I was level 60. Um, I, I don't specifically know if Vaniki, if Vaniki summons, I'm pretty sure he does, but he is a beast compared to level 60. He, he, I don't remember all the details. I, I've never really been a guy that, that knows X and Y about a mob, and he is not a, just a random level 60 named. Um, you know, he's easily the, the toughest mob in Dragon Acropolis, and I, I don't think anyone can solo him at 60. You know, I don't know if that's true for like Shadow Knights or whatever, but there was no way in hell a Necro is going to solo Vaniki at level 60. Um, and was uh, Kavju just two boxing or was he three boxing? Um, I know he I ran remember, the Enchanter Cleric combo. Yeah, I don't remember how many characters he had, but it, it was a full it was a full group. Um, oh, okay, you know, dang. Vaniki is is you know for a group he's he's a I wouldn't say a tough kill, but if if you don't come in prepared, he will truck your 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 tank. But you know, no no solo player is going to be able to kill him. So I definitely would have needed to have help. Um, you know finding him up was you know is a challenge in of itself because you know he doesn't have like a, like a fast uh, respawn time he doesn't spawn when a new pick opens and he doesn't spawn even you know when the server crashes because of that long delay he has so he was a particularly hard mob to get up especially because you know a lot of classes like the will sapper um because so many people can use it and it's the only way a lot of them can can get it any kind of a slow in Velius, um, which is funny that I ended up, you know, quitting in Velius. So, it, you know, that 20 chrono was pretty much wasted, but, um, you know, that obviously it wasn't planning on quitting at the time, but, um, I, I, I do want to talk about for sure about my rage quit because I think it's a fun story. Let's and, do it. Um, I, so, you know, obviously I was a necromancer and, you know, Velius necromancers, uh, it starts in Kunark, obviously, but, um, you know, one of the things that it, the age old story with Necros is, well, how many times are you going to twitch on this raid? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a Necro that's always liked to do damage. And that stems because, you know, on live, um, you know, in, in Kun- when Kunark originally came out, uh, dots didn't stack. So you couldn't even have two people casting dots. And that's why the Twitch spells were invented. Um, that didn't get changed until I think Lucklin, um, finally. Um, but I, I still really hated twitching. I always did. I, I, I did it when I, for better or worse, when I felt it made sense. Uh, so it, it means that I wasn't doing it when asked all the time, because you know Seeger was our main uh, officer and for all intents and purposes, leading the guild at that point. Um, and he's a cleric and Seeger is obviously, you know, a strong personality and a person who was definitely on board with clearing raids as fast as possible. And, you know, one of the main hurdles to that was clerics running out of mana because, you know, we didn't have OSC regen at that point. Um, you know, all we had were those little stupid potions and clarity and, and bard song and necro twitch so you know we would find ourselves in valleys and like you know seeker was always like asking for twitches and this kind of stuff and 
it was just not the kind of gameplay that I liked. So there were times when I was definitely doing it full time and times when I, I just wasn't and other Necros were. And um, at, at, in Velius, one of the other, uh, there were there were quite a few Necros that we had, but some of the more notable ones were, you know, myself and Artemisa, this guy that joined in Velius named TravQ. Um, yeah. Who, TravQ was a person we were a little suspicious about when he first joined, but he, he, he was legit and he, he was a great Necro. Um, we learned that pretty quickly, but, um, so we were doing our, you know, normal clear to Veloc and, uh, and no one else was around or anything like that. It was just a matter of just wanting to get done with the raid faster. And we had cleared everything else. We were actually prepping to kill Veloc and as, as a, uh, selfish necro my my whole thing that i was more concerned about was how could i parse on the lock and you know i was always wanting to be the guy that parsed the best and that kind of stuff and so that was that was what i was focused on and some cleric like was out of mana and you know sigur had been like asking us to twitch and what was really funny is that prior to this sigur and i d- had definitely had some personality clashes some of it stemmed from the fact that we had this dumb idea where I would be a necro class lead. And I, I thought I was dumb. All the other necros thought I was dumb, but you know, I was the guy. And just to interrupt you really quick on that. I remembered why we had class leads on, on, on Agnar. And it was because if you recall, since Agnar was pop locked, it yep. attracted a shit ton of P 99ers who didn't know anything about how the classes are different or work well on TLP. You know what I mean? Remember early on, there would be so many times to be like, oh, on P99, we do this. And we'd be like, dude, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. But that's I, why I, we I, ended up having class leads because there's a lot of people who didn't know how to play their classes. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, though. Yeah, no worries. No worries. I, I actually never never knew the context. So I think it's hilarious because I, I still really enjoy the on P99 joke. But anyways. Well, I mean, people people on P99 would be like, we'd be doing our VP raid. They'd be like, why don't you just grab a blade stopper and charge all the way to Quarndar and then kite it all around with a blade stopper. And I'm like, stop yeah. it, dude. That, <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't work, work here. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so we're, we're getting ready to kill the lock. Um, and we're literally just like, you know, waiting, um, for Clark to gain, to gain mana and tribe Q and I were already switching this cleric that was out of mana. And I was especially mad about it because I, I noticed the cleric, didn't have that potion running. I, f- I forget the name of it was, but it gave you like three mana per tick. I'm sitting there thinking, why am I twitching this asshole who's not actually using a, using a fucking potion? And not only that, but it's not necessary because, you know, we're not going to be starting for like five whole minutes. You know, how much mana is this cleric going to get in a f- period of five minute time? So Seeger, I, I think because he, he knew my personality, he knew I was not on team twitch um you know he started to like grill me about it and we got into this big big long argument and tells and he he started like put his foot down and say like as a necro class lead uh you're going to mandate all necros on the clerk class channel for all raids and they will always twitch uh when needed or when asked and there will be no further discussion about this Uh, those those not the exact quotes but that's the gist of it um, I, I instantly started, you know, arguing back saying like, number one, that's not even possible. One of our players, um, for some reason, they couldn't be in class channels. It was Rimmerdahl. 
every time he would join a class channel or, or any any chat channel, it would just instantly close. And that had been going on for, for weeks. And so I, I was like, number one, that's not even possible. Number two, that's just a stupid idea. And then I think number three, it was something like, fuck you. But um, so we get in this big whole, you know, argument about it that we, we were definitely both wrong uh, in terms of how we were playing about it. But real life had started catching up to me. I, I knew that I was going to have to like go back to work um, somewhat soon. Um, I ended up, um, I, I was like applying for jobs and I think I had a couple interviews lined up for like two weeks later. And so this was on the back of my mind, but this, this whole like, you know, Seeger Ravanta drama that had been going on its hells and it, 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 it was also public too. Um, it just really got to the point. Uh, I was like, nope, d- just, thanks bye um i just logged out of the raid and what was going to actually like post something on the faceless board like you know saying like thanks it was a lot of fun guys but you know this game is no longer for me i got to go back to work anyways i can't keep this up and um you know seeger was you know just so mad at the time and again such a strong personality we're probably alike in that in this regard but uh, he revoked my form, my website access, like before I even had the chance to log in and post anything, which is hilarious. I, I laugh about it at the time. But the the thing about it is, looking back on it, you know, number one, um, I, I should have just done it because it would it really matter? I mean, like, sure, I would have had, you know, 60% mana going into, you know, killing Valak instead of 100%. And, yeah, I would have parsed less as a result, but in the end, who fucking cares? You know, right. I mean, yeah. it's it's stupid. But on the same token, again, who fucking cares about you know giving a cleric thirty more seconds to get some more mana up? And you know, we're both wrong. Um, Seeger is a person that I think I think you're aware of this. I uh, when mischief happened uh, or when mischief started, I was a little nervous about joining Faceless. Uh, because I was, I was like, is Seeger going to play here? And, you know, we I hadn't had any interaction with Seeger. I was, I, I no longer cared about the drama. And, you know, my philosophy was it wasn't on a different server. So, you know, you just let it go. But I was worried about him holding a grudge. And, uh, you know, I, heard, I saw him actually logged in, but he wasn't, I didn't know this, but he wasn't actually playing. It t- turns out that, you know, Seeger, I think, has the same philosophy of, you know, different server who gives a shit about what happened. And, you know, we had a couple conversations and, you know, definitely for, for what it's worth, I think we mended that bridge. Um, and I, I still wish he would have ended up actually playing on, on, um, on, on mischief with us, but, uh, but he didn't, but you know, just that whole, like, you know, cleric necro drama, um, played out, and and I think one of the biggest ways it really possibly could have, because you know both of us were definitely wrong. But uh, r- reality is, I would probably have ended up quitting the game um, like a month later when I went back to work, because there would be no way I would have been able to start that job and do the Luckland Shard Farm while I was working. And I I, I know myself, I would have ended up just taking skipping days, you know, to, to get on to get a VT key. And then that would have been a really, really bad idea after just start, just starting. So I, I think I definitely would have not, I still would have quit the game at that point. 
Well, I'm glad that you guys were able to put it all behind you. It was stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I think twitching generally is just like trash. You know what I mean? Um, The answer is almost always more DPS. But at the same point, like if you're if you're in a fight and a cleric goes oom, then like all hands on deck, twitch them up, especially those Velius fights where it's like a CH rot half the time. Right. So like you you see like both sides of it and and like Seeger needing to have that like that authority, especially as someone who's kind of like he was in a weird spot because he was an officer, brand new officer, because Hannah had just kind of been pushed out a little bit. I was not online. Um, so he had to functionally lead without being the leader. You know what I mean? So authority is like a really weird spot when you're, when you're doing that. And here I was pushing back on his authority. <laughs> and yeah. no, my, I was nobody. No, I mean, you were, I, I've always thought of you as like a core member, you know what I mean? Um, but we also knew that it, it was discussed in officer chat. Like we knew that you were sensitive about twitching and the mindset on that was fuck them. Not like you specifically, but like if I tell someone to fucking jump off the bridge into the lava below Vulak during a raid, I don't want them to say no. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the mentality that, you know, a person should have because at the, at the end of the day, who cares if you died, you know, who, who cares if you, you parse 60% of what you would have, if, if you're being asked to do something that, you know, for whatever it is for the betterment of the, of, of the, of, of the raid at that, at that point, just, just do it. And I, I think, you know, there's still, there's still some of that DPS based, um, I don't want to say drama, but obsession that some people on, on mischief, you know, even still have, you know, I, I'm a person that, you know, I, I think when the raid is allows for it, I've always parsed very well and I'll, I'll dare anyone to find it, find a time when I wasn't, but some, some players among certain classes, you know, it, it's, it, it's a game within a game and like they feel bad if they are not in a situation where, the, where they can parse well, or they will like obsess over being able to parse about it. It's, it's a, I know it's a big issue with, you know, with monks, especially like, Oh, I don't have a bard. What's up with me having a bard, not having a bard this raid. And it's like, they don't just don't understand. Well, it's because there's not enough bards to go around. Sorry. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you just got to be like, hey, man, like, can we get through this raid? Like, it's a farm mode raid. It's not progression, right? So yeah. we know we're going to clear it easily. Let's just make it a night that is the least amount of stress for everyone involved. Would that work for you? You know what I mean? Like, that's how I approach yeah. it. Because I get so many DMs every raid night. Like, we'll be like, like, the number of complaints I get on Mischief was just absolutely insane. You're like, listen, we just cleared the Buried Sea. In like half the time that the previous fastest guild ever cleared it. And um, we're splitting it more than any guild has ever split it before. And uh, we like never wipe. And people are still sending me complaints. So you're in the fastest guild with the most loot ever in TLPs. And it's not good enough. So... You know what I mean? I always like the, the officers would get stressed out and I'd be like... This is like, let's change your perspective. You know what I mean? You guys are doing great. The guild is amazing. Everything is 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 top notch right now. Some people will just never be happy. Some people need something to pick at. You know what I mean? They can't just be like, oh, that was good. They have to be like, that would have been better if blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you have perfectionists who are on the officer team who are like, oh, you said it would have been better if this. 
and that is like like you might tell me the raid would have been better if we had done the banner skip to get to um commodus instead of running around the bridge and and you just mean that it's like oh yeah it would be like a cool small thing that we could do might be slightly faster but it means nothing to you right and i might hear it as a perfectionist and i'll be like the fucking rate sucked and people are upset you know what i mean but it's not really like that so there's like all these different sides of it and people stress themselves out stress each other out whole thing just sucks but um yeah yeah, Yeah, seeker definitely go ahead Oh, I was going to say though, uh, I didn't want to, I, I want to let you finish your thought because I, I don't want to change the subject. I was just going to say like, you know, Seeger definitely doesn't hold on to any of that shit. So he's, yeah. he's really good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the one thing, and, and this is kind of, I, I think it's more of a joke than anything else. Um, the one thing I, I think I do not give excuses for is on mischief. You know, obviously it's now unlocking sod soon or maybe it has already I, I i don't know for sure um i think there's no excuse for a person not having a levitate wand at this point oh it, yeah come it, on now yeah i mean obviously you know, levitate is, is a thing that people need on raids and it's been a thing that people have needed on raids since classic but you know to all of my necros out there we all we all know the story but it, it's like it's levitate is something that's needed in classic why did you not get a fairy wand in classic and why do you not have one now are you playing on a tlp every single month you get 500 you know dp coins or whatever they're called the thing normally sells for 750 coins so you you have one for free they're heirloom the the buff lasts for like six hours by default if you die you still have it you can click it with just one hotkey and, and still there's people that ask for a levitate and I don't understand it. It, it also drives me nuts because let's, let's pretend the wand doesn't exist. If, if the wand didn't exist, then, then yes, I would have to levitate a bunch of people all the time because not everyone's going to farm like a swift mantle or whatever, although they should. So I, I will start casting levitate on them. And by the time that spell lands, they, they, they're already in Africa already somewhere else i'm like you just right. asked me for a buff and you you know that it, it takes a long time to cast i've got to mend the spell or click the row whichever end, ends up being faster at the time and, and you run off and this this is just another reason why i hate the, hate the thing it's like people if you don't have a love wand what are you doing yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean like Lev and shrink are the two things that I just assume everyone has the ability to do. And I don't even have to ask questions or give directions like enter the zone. You should be levitating and you should be shrinking yourself instantly. Yeah. And it's, it's always, it's usually the monks too, that, that, uh, get, get worried about Lev. And I think it's because, you know, monks don't want to use, uh, the, the Druid version because it means they can't use spirit of Billy, uh, you know, because Billy gives them more DPS. So I understand um, and then Flood monks, the eagles or whatever, yeah, yeah. And, and then monks originally were in the habit of of camping swift mantles, which you know were instant cast, but they don't. It doesn't last very long, and that gets annoying. So I mean, it's it's always monks for some reason that always the, always the ones that refuse to have a love wand. But if there's any buff that that a necro would actually need that I could have by myself just by spending 750 coins in the marketplace. 
that lasted for you know six to nine hours and persisted through death, I would have that on day one. It's like it's no excuse for not having it. That's just my yeah. two cents. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the monks monks fuck everything up. Like when you have to move through a zone with a lot of trash, you're like everyone invis. Monks will be like, I could just FD. I don't need to invis. But then they train people and stuff. It's a it's a I hate monks. Anyway, back to uh, back to Agnar though. So yeah, during Velius. You know, basically, in Classic and Kunark, raids are pretty dang fast. Mobs have relatively low HP. Like, uh, most of your bat phones are like five, ten minute things. I lived in Japan, so I was like 13 hours off from US Eastern time. So I was able to raid and lead raids, and everything was pretty smooth because it was short. Then we get into Velius, and it's like, okay, TOV, three hours, baby, let's go. And I'm like, dude, I can't do an 8 a.m. or like, 3 a.m. three hour tov clear you know what i mean so it definitely hurt my ability to be present and that was when i started being on less like i'd be on bat phones and i'd be on like weird weekend raids and stuff but i definitely was around way 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 less and i made the decision that after luckland launch when when we did the first vt clear and we were done with it i would pass leadership over to seeger and i think he knew that plan i don't know if we announced it though until it was actually happening yeah, but, so I, I, obviously I, I didn't actually play in Luckland a Pop, but I heard some stories about how Luckland launch went, and, and it seems like every time people talk about Luckland, I end up end up hearing some other ones that are great. I, I one of the last things I, I do remember about Luckland right before, you know, because I, I quit really at the end of Alias, we had actually been messing around on test. Like I was on my on my level 110 or whatever Necro, um, just so I I wouldn't die. We were messing around with doing the 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 pull for amp to the yep. zone end and i i i still i i, I forgot to mention this like when i rage quit i um you know i i gated back i parceled all of my um uh, the spell parchments to i think the junior and parceled remedal all of my essence emeralds and then bounced and you know, taking the time to parcel all the all the parchments for the spells that I've been saving since I was one of two people that were that were doing research uh, for Luckland. Um, that is what you know made me not have time to make a like a farewell post on on the faceless forums, which I, I still felt really bad about, like not even having having that chance to like you know just say that I, I was quitting and wish everyone the best and that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, I. I, I, I still kind of wish that, you know, maybe I would have like just said I'm taking a break and came back for Luckland because it would have been fun. Uh, I think all the stuff I heard about how the, the, the Luckland launch especially went. Luckland launch was a, a super awesome, super fun, big blast. There was a there was a guy who was like mad about Plane of Sky and Classic or some shit that happened. And he was sending us tells telling us he was going to train us for the entire Luckland launch in um, that one zone. Probably Maiden's Eye. Maiden's Eye, yeah. And he showed up, man. He he went hard. But I mean, because he had told us about it, we just sent like four groups there and they would just eat the trains. You know what I mean? But our Luckland plan was just like, hey, have a group pre-designated at every single camp and uh, rotate people through the groups who need to loot the shards. So we keyed up super fast, farmed all the shit for our, our Lucklandite orbs, and then we pulled Emp down. It was the first, it, it, we weren't the first guild to do it because OGC pulled Emp down on uh, Finnegal. But it was the first time it was done as like a server first kill, I think. We pulled Emp down, 
got the kill real quick, went right to VT and and blasted through, no sleep. And I think that was like a 32-hour or 40-hour um, VT clear. Now, uh, our um, I, I, I was I had a real hard-on for getting the Luckland record because we had the Kunark record already from Lockjaw. And then we broke that same record on Agnar again. We, we pushed it even further. Velius record is kind of like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Because no one's racing to wake the sleeper or anything usually. But Lucklin, the Lockjaw team was going to break the record. They took a sleep break. And Yogmoth had calculated the time in like the wrong time zone or some shit. So they missed it by an hour because he did the, he did the math wrong. And oh, I was like, I was like, we're not going to fuck this up again. So like went hard and we blew the record out of the water. And then after that, uh, Ottenha Rock Hill, I passed leadership to Seeger and I still played a little bit, but it was, it was really tough. VT is even longer than TOV most of the time. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything big that happened. Oh yeah. We, so we had this guy named Dabber. Do you remember Dabber? I don't think so. I think he joined maybe during Luckland, but he was a person who basically was in Asylum of Shadow on Finnegal. And they they knew him as Milan, and he had definitely like some kind of mental illness, but he's able to hide it for a little while. So he hated 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 AOS because they kicked him out for for having a bunch of problems. He joined us. He slowly began to accumulate a bunch of problems, but one of the things that had been happening slowly was there was like this friction developing between us and the crew that was in AOS slash TL at that time, Twisted Legion. Because I would publicly post like, oh, hey, we, you know, we did this fastest clear ever, fastest clear ever, blah, 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 on, on FOH forums and on our guild recruitment posts. And they were a group of guys who, who took a lot of pride in being the top guild. And they were a super dominant open world top guild. They always won their expansion races, except for a few losses to Dima. And uh, I think it bothered them that we had never had a chance to go head to head but I was able to say that I had the fastest, that we had the fastest clear times. You know what I mean? It's like, we never got to race, but on the leaderboard, our times are faster than theirs. And they're like, well, you guys are on less competitive servers, all that kind of shit. Right. So. Yeah. There's always some way that that's um, a guild that doesn't win has to poke at the win, you know, because they, they feel like they should have got it because they, they put in the, the effort as well, but they feel like if, if the world would have done things differently than in their favor, that they would have gotten the win. And I don't know. I just, it's like, why even really have that idea? So this started bubbling up a little bit on Lockjaw, but kind of kept the lid on it. Then on Agnar, remember those guys all joined our guild in the beginning of Agnar, but the beginning of Agnar, Faceless was super rough because we had a lot of P99ers who weren't used to the content. And we had that early Finny wipe. And I think that the, the TL guys who came over, the AOS guys, were just like, this is that guild. You know what I mean? The posts on the forums, like, these guys fucking suck. And I think most of them left after like two weeks in, in Classic. And they never got to see the guild when it kind of got its feet under it. Um, and then we never did anything pointedly at them but this guy Dabber would log into the forums and send them DMs talking a ton of shit. Like, oh yeah, I'm in Faceless. We are so much better than you. You know, like our, our times are better. You guys are trash. And we didn't even know about it. But it would come to it, co- it would come back to be a big fucking problem later when we were getting towards Cello launch. So like a year and a half from now. Because 
those guys got real riled up and upset about it. And it, it, it basically set the stage for cello, which is going to be like two or three episodes from now. But that was something that we didn't even know about. Anyway, we eventually kicked Dabber for calling someone the N word. So kicked him. Boom. He's out. But he had done damage behind our backs that we didn't know that we were going to have to like, you know, deal with some drama on the back end later, later on. And, um, I mean, for Luckland, pretty much just dominated the rest of the content there. Went into pop, cleared pop. I, we didn't do a record-breaking pop clear. I wasn't part of the pop clear at all. I, like, logged on to say hi to everyone, but I'm not a huge pop fan. So, um, they did their pop thing. And then there was, like, minor drama about uh, the Wrath Council. I think there was... The Wrath Council was not... Like, the AOC was broken. You could only do it in, in open world. And one of our guys kept training true sedation every time they would attempt it because we, you know, we had longstanding uh, little bits of animosity with true sedation. So we had a team of people, not by direction, just on their own, were making it impossible for true sedation to get access to Planet Time for a couple weeks. Um, and I think that is pretty much the story of Agnar. Like Agnar, after after all the progression was clear and done, eventually Seeger passed the leadership to junior aka duana the guy i wanted to kick in classic and um duana and those guys they absorbed what the guck which is how we got frank the bank i got kicked out at some point by him and the agnar guild stayed and kept farming planet time until cello when cello launched which we'll get into this later basically like the lockjaw crew came over the agnar crew came over and it all kind of formed into this big thing on cello launch um but i think that's that's all i've got for it. ravanta you have anything else no uh definitely not it's just because you know i wasn't playing for pop uh, on agnar I, I i that timeline of of how faceless you know came out to be and points of power definitely is a surprise i i you know i had talked to a couple people about how um, pop launched went on Agnar and like no one had to kind of mention that actually I always had the impression that that uh, when Quorum was killed that the guild just retired and maybe they meant that the prior leadership retired and passed it off and and, they, and the others kept going which you know a huge a huge number of people quit like more than half the guild probably quit instantly when Quorum died you know what I mean yeah I mean I, I know I definitely would have would have as well it's like you know it's like if on a top if there's no further content to it i i just i wouldn't be the a person that continues to play there because you know for a fact you're going to quit it's 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 actually part of the reason why you know i retired now you know like a month ago you know for mischief i should say um you know a month ago i was definitely bored of our request and i was still looking forward to sod because sod is such a great expansion but it's like when you know but there's going to be a point in time that, that you are going to not want to play soon. For me, it's VOA. I just don't like the expansion. You know, for me, the way I think, it, it just makes me want to, like, not play even before then because I know that time is coming up. That, that of course, makes no sense. Um, I'm probably going to, you know, get bored of, of playing other games and come back for underfoot and, you know, have to uh, relearn how to play again. But... <laughs> You know, it's like SOD is great. You know, that's that's when a lot of things come up. But again, this is about Agnar. But um, 
yeah, I obviously for Agnar, I have nothing else, nothing else to contribute except to say that I, I really enjoy my time there. I, I think that uh, a, a lot of people at this point, you know, kind of don't give Agnar any kind of a respect because it was a pop lock server. And in, in hindsight, I think it's an idea that just doesn't make sense. I would definitely never do it again myself. But at the time, it was it was a fun server, and I. Even the people that I did that I didn't like when I was playing there, they made the server fun while I lost it, and it was it was such a great time. It was great, man. I loved Agnar. I liked that you could go as hard as you possibly could because there was an expiration date, and it wasn't yeah. too far in the future. Like mischief is hard because not like the content is easy, but it's hard because you know it's seven years long. It's most of a decade. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's so hard. Like especially you know, looking at at uh, the Vanicky server. You know, which is a completely different animal. You know, it obviously has all these other achievements and other things about the game that actually do make the content challenging. But also just like the pace of unlocks, I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, again, this is about the Agnar server, not not Vanicky. But um, when I had retired, um, you know, in, in mischief on mischief at level seventy, um, and when I was coming back to the game, you know, still level seventy. I was like, do I want to come back to Mischief or do I want to play in Van- Vaniki? Because I was looking at, you know, in six months, Vaniki is going to be at X expansion and, you know, Mischief is still going to be level 80 doing SOF. I'm like, why would I want to go back to Mischief? I ended up obviously going back to Mischief and playing casually in Vaniki. But, but yeah, I mean, that Agnar's time span, I think, was the only kind of TOP where the 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 two month and the three month unlocks made sense three months for an expansion just because you can level up five times it doesn't make sense to me why is it not two right yeah no it should just be two months every single expansion honestly i think maybe it should be six and eight six and eight weeks six six weeks no level increase eight weeks level increase that makes sense it really does and then, you know, right now we'd be on the cusp of live if that was the case. Who knows what the 25th anniversary server will be. It'll be wild rule sets, so people will be disappointed, I think. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Koala just left Dark Pod this week. So really? that sucks. Yeah. Like they, they, they left or they were made to leave? No, she, she left for... Uh, better employment opportunity <laughs> that's good that's good yeah it's good it's good for good for her bad for everquest yeah it really is there's you know ever daybreak has actually lost and and you know you know fired a lot of good devs lately and yeah they fired true north which doesn't really relate to good devs but they fired true north fuck them then they fired Dazarn, who was amazing and that sucks then they fired Ascendo, who is also like fuck them, and now they lose Koala, not fired, but just lost, and that sucks. So two good devs lost one way or another, and then two people who suck gone. Ascendo yeah. doesn't really suck. I, I shouldn't say that. Ascendo was just okay. Yeah, I, I don't really have opinions on on, on devs. I don't I don't know who they are really, um, on, at that level. But you know, definitely Dazarn, you know getting rid of Dazarn, I just doesn't make sense. I, I don't know what that was about, but I, I 
when I first heard about that, I just wondered, is this like the end of the road for EverQuest? <laughs> it's like, how long has that guy been been involved with this game? Yeah, I heard there have been a bunch of times since he was let go where they've been like working on some problem. They're like, oh yeah, the only person who would know about that is uh, Dizarn. And they're just like, shit. Uh, what do you do? Get, right. I mean, give him a call. Like- hey, Dizarn, you want to make an easy 100K? <laughs> right. There's a lot of people on the staff well, there's not a lot of people on the staff, period. But the people that are on the staff, I mostly like. Um, it's probably not mutual. But I like Negreth. I think he does a really great job for the most part. Um, I like Miko. I don't know much about like what Miko does or anything. But I see his interactions with the community. And I could tell like he's passionate about EverQuest. Like He's in Twitch chat. He's on people's streams. He's like going around illusioning people and just doing cool shit. You know what I mean? So I know yeah. that... When he's yeah, not he, at he work, he invited me to uh, to play to play with him on, on Viniki to level up for right. a few hours. And it, it, we didn't really talk about much. We talked about just the game, and I was like, "That's cool." And you know, I, who, who am I to have Miko? I'm just a random person, right? And you know, like you see Miko playing EverQuest outside of work. Like I could tell he is a guy who likes EverQuest, which is like ninety percent of yeah. the battle, probably. So I really like Miko because of that. I could tell he's passionate about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, who else do they have besides those two? Um, Niente, I think, is still there. Niente is cool, and Pip. Pip is cool too. I don't know much about Pip, but Pip and um, Clanderso, those are the other ones that I know. I, I know of Pip, Clanderso, Niente, Negreth, and and Miko. I, I don't think there's anyone in that lineup. Oh, and Absor is hiding in a closet somewhere in, in the bottom of Darkpaw headquarters. I don't think there's anyone on that list that I think sucks, so that's good. Absor is the spell dev, is, is he not? I think Absor does raids now. Um, I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I, I, I know there was a dev who did spells for a really long time. It might have been him. It, it might have been Absor, it might have been the other one who starts with an A, but I really didn't like that guy for such a long period of time. Um, and again, completely random tangent here. One of my, like the first time I ever did a, um, a beta raid uh, was when I was in, in S, it, was in S, it was for Secrets of Fadeware when I was in uh, Silent Resurgence. And I, I, forget the, I forget the dev because it really doesn't matter, but um, it was our guild's first time doing beta. Um, and the, the GM asked, like, if I think he said something like, did everybody have fun or whatever? And we had been told by, um, our raid leader to, you know, keep our, you know, comments like, you know, professional and polite because it was our first time being invited to beta. It was, so it was a big, it was a big, big deal for us. And I don't think I even actually saw the, the, the G, uh, the GM's question, but, someone else said something and I, I said that I didn't like that all my spells were resisted and just saying that found its way to, um, I, I forget his name, but one of the guys that runs like a, like a longstanding necro forum. And I, I got like blacklisted. I didn't even ever log into that site like for a super long time. And then like five years later, I ended up trying to log onto the website and I couldn't, couldn't use my my character name because I was banned and I found some random post and I ended up realizing it was because of what I said about spell resist and I'm pretty sure that Absor is the spell dev who was responsible for that whole 
long str string of eras where just every spell would be resisted. So that guy has had an impact on my EverQuest career in ways that I never would have guessed. Yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, he I, he's definitely done a lot because he's been there for a long, long time now. There's yeah. a funny story I heard about a beta recently, last couple of years, where there was an encounter and they had like a death touch style mechanic in it and to not get DT, the cl classic EverQuest mechanic, right? Like there's a buff on you that when it ticks down to zero, you're dead, right? And you have to right. find a way to cure it. Um, the way to cure this, according to him, was you have to cast True North on someone and uh, that cures it. And the players had to spend like hours and hours explaining to him that uh, True North is self only. <laughs> and therefore like the majority of the raid could not even cast it on themselves and would just get dt if they got it they, they'd have to go farm like this one true north clicky from like an eldon raid or some bullshit to to even be able to survive the raid um so they they removed that mechanic but not without some um back and forth and bickering it's just a funny little anecdote yeah anyways that's about all i got um i, I think we can definitely call it done at this point yeah, was well, there anyone you want to shout out or any, anything you want to say as we wrap up here, Ravonta? Um, well, we've we've been talking for longer than I than I thought. I, there there definitely probably are, but from Agnar, um, some of my favorite people that I really enjoy playing with, uh, and and I miss. I, I I wish that they would have played on Mischief. Would definitely be Rimmerdahl. He was a necro from um, I think he was lived in Australia. Um, I forget the guy's name, but um, the the, the necro who was famous for being addicted to roll downs. Um, Feppy baby. Let's go. Feppy big Paul. Yeah. I, I, I never really, you know, they they weren't a great player. They weren't, but they, they just always made conversation fun. and rage not fun. And yeah. you know, that, that's half of what keeps, keeps people playing. I think so. I so think Feppy, um, Feppy is the, uh, the deep PLer now. Are you serious? On, yeah, he's the guy who ran all the PLs in the deep, not the Chinese team. He was like the American team. And he's the guy who Paul? farms Frost Giants for the first three expansions every server. Feppy is Paul? Feppy is Paul, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I, th that explains why I got a couple of PLs from Paul. He was always super friendly. And, you know, maybe he remembers, maybe, maybe not, but. That makes sense. I, I wish I would have realized that was Feppy. I would, I would you need have to send Paul a, a DM on Discord with a screenshot of a robe of the Azure Sky and ask him if he wants to roll down. <laughs> he will fucking <laughs> love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome, man. Hey, thank you for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun uh, talking to you, Ravanta, and uh, it has always, always been my pleasure to have you on the team and, and raid alongside you all these years. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. It, it's been good being along for the ride. And uh, I will probably be back at some point in the in the, in the future. I, I am definitely planning on taking SOD off um, just because I, I need a break from the game. Yeah, I feel you. I'm, I'm probably going to be missing SOD, um, but I'll be back for Underfoot and beyond. Sweet. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. And this is Drama Quest out.